Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Minds Media. My name is Blake Panashevitz, and today's guest is a wonderful individual who is active in both working out and mental health. She is a host, interviewer, and content creator, having worked at many different events from the Pokemon World Championship to Call of Duty League. Please let me introduce Jess Brohard. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Blake. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you mentioned like the Pokemon World Championship because that's a deep dive. Like that was right around the time I also did the um the Tetris World Championship. Yes, I have that yes. on here too. Okay, I was gonna say I bet you found that one. If you found the one, you probably found the other. Yep. And those are those are two events that always stick out in my mind as like, wow, what a wacky, cool career I've had. That like I've done things that because I didn't even know that competitive Tetris was really a thing until I got a call being like, hey, can you come to Portland to host the Tetris World Championship? And it was cool because I'd never been to Portland before, so it was a really fun, memorable trip for me. Yeah, it's it's so weird because I, I remember seeing on Twitch, it might have been like two or three years ago, like Tetris, like the championship where these two people are playing. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I never knew this was a thing. Like, right. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for like the Pac-Man like world championship yeah. now. Like, <laughs> Well, have uh, you played um like Tetris 99 on the Switch? I have not. I don't own a Switch. Oh, okay. Well, that's your first mistake because the Switch is an amazing console. I just I don't know. I just love the Switch so much for I don't you know, know what I use. I use my phone. I use. Mo okay. I'm on the mobile games. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's go with all those. Uh... <laughs> well, see, then you would like the Switch because it's it's mobile gaming. There's so there's Tetris 99, which is a Tetris battle royale. It's literally mm -hmm. like who can be the last man alive playing. I don't know. It's fantastic. Yeah. You should get a Switch. You should play Tetris 99. <laughs> okay. I, I I will maybe look into. It. I'm awful at Tetris. I remember playing old oh. Tetris on like. Maybe it was like the PlayStation or one of those old systems. I remember trying to play it and I was just, I was never very good at Tetris. The uh, only game that I've actually ever been like semi decent in was like League of Legends. I was like the only oh. game that I like hit, I hit Diamond. I was like, I've hit the, I've hit the bare minimum of what is maybe considered somewhat okay. And now I will stop playing this game. And that's because a hard game to get good in, I would say. <laughs> I mean, MOBAs in general are pretty punishing. I think FPSs are harder. Okay. Like well, it just depends on your type then, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I always have a lot of respect for people who can play FPSs because I cannot aim to save my oh, life. I mean, like, neither can I. Well, <laughs> but, but then I can't really play MOBAs either, and I try, so. Okay, so well, I don't know. Fun. These yeah. are reasons why you and I are not pro gamers, why we're yes. sitting here doing this instead of like out there on the sticks making the dollars that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also wouldn't ever want to be a pro gamer. I won't lie. Oh, I've worked with them. Like they're, they're, yes. I don't think people realize how insane the schedule is for being a pro gamer. It is yeah. crazy. It is hard. Right. The hours are difficult and you do not get nearly as much recognition as like the work you put in. And even the yeah. high payments, like unless you're getting paid a ton like if you're if, like the amount of hours you work to actually what you get paid doesn't yeah. actually wind up being nearly as much as you might think just because of the well, hours you put in. And that is like getting better thanks to things like yeah. players unions becoming more mainstream. And I know not like all scenes have adopted those, but yeah. I know like I always hear a lot about in like Counter-Strike about like players unionizing and stuff like that, which yeah. I think the, is fantastic. The, the like, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I had Sir Scoots on here who uh, helped oh. create that. Great. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I always see him pushing things like that. And I think it's fantastic because like there's a lot of especially younger players who probably like can easily get taken advantage of. And like back in the days, it kind of felt like all pro gamers had to sort of go through that and like pay their dues. And yeah. now like people that are sort of like our age or I'm, I'm 32. So I assume you're like probably around. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 29 in January. Okay, yeah, so see, so there close. we go. Yeah, exactly. So, like, pro gamers who kind of are around our age now, like, are sort of realizing, well, we don't want the next generation to have to, like, go through what we have, what we had to go through, and we especially don't want organizations taking advantage of them when they might not know better. See, I actually don't think players' unions are going to work. 
Okay. And I think I think uh, the PSA is a very specific exception to the rule. Okay. Um, because I think that most of the time players' unions should are are only really successful when they all have to actually come together for a unionized thing. And for the PSA, that happened because of the uh, what ended up happening was for Counter Strike, they tried to force all the players into a league. And they were okay. like, no, we're not going to do this. But if you look at something like uh, League of Legends, which Riot made their players union, uh, something like that really scares me. And only this year are Riot not mm. actually running it. So I don't I don't mm. know how much they're going to okay. run. And they're actually players associations because unions, I think, are specific to the, the state as far as their oh, laws okay. and associations can be national. But oh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even know that. See, so that's why like I'm not the one making the rules. I'm just yep. having opinions, yep. you know. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. No, I think it's good. I think it's still good to talk about and like educate people on. Um, we're gonna start this interview off, I think, easier before we get into hard questions. One of the things I Warm learned about you is you like Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah. I am a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan. Okay, you're probably a bigger fan than I am. That is I've true. Been, I'm a bigger been, fan than yeah. most people though, so it's not really fair. Like yeah. I have a 3D printer and I actually print out like <laughs> miniatures and stuff like that. So it's not a oh, fair comparison yeah. to be fair. But you yeah. like Dungeons and Dragons. How long have you been yes. playing? I've, well, I've been playing on and off since high school. Very, very lightly though. I've always only dabbled. And um, for me, what's so fun about Dungeons and Dragons or any like, I would I would consider myself more of a pen and paper RPG mm-hmm. fan than a strict Dungeons and Dragons fan. Like That's for fair. instance, one of my friends is a great DM and he ran us through a campaign called Honey Heist, where you I've play a bunch of bears. Oh my God, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's just a one sheet, like one off. Like I think it took us like two and a half, three hours, you know, which kind of got like what six of us together and did it via, um, you know, discord video call one night. And it was just super fun. And I think what's so fun about those is that you can just be so creative and uh, it's, it's such a social thing. And it's like, especially in the the age of COVID it's like what we, what we really need. Cause that's the one thing that it's like, it's a little bit like I've been saying this about board games is that board games are so fun because they're so social. And then that's one area like like I'm personally kind of hurting in a lot is I really miss that like social intimate gathering of having like six of your close friends. Um, And it's like, you can do it via zoom discord, whatever, but it's like, it's not the same, you know? Yeah. No, not at all. Like I miss, I like, I can relate to that a lot. Um, one of the things that we used to do is we, the only times I really leave my house is when I was going to the gym or when I would go out to eat, which are very mm-hmm. polar opposite things. I know. <laughs> okay. They're like the, literally the opposite extreme. Okay. One of them I'm trying to be better. The other one I'm trying to gorge my face out. But, uh, since COVID happened, we don't really, we don't really get to, like, I don't go to the gym because I live in Florida and uh, it's terrifying in Florida. Um, yeah, and we, we go yeah. up very occasionally, but it's not nearly as much as we used to because it's, it's just like, I have to be like really depressed and be like, I need to go out. Yeah. Um, so well, it's, it's it, awful. And it's, it's so interesting how like, because I feel really, really bad for, for, you know, people like you who I am. Do you consider yourself more of an extrovert, by the way? Oh, uh, I'm and an introvert. I, I'm, I, w- I would say I'm more of an introvert who forces myself to be extrovert. Sure. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of kind of like nerds would answer the same way. And yeah. And like the reason I ask is just because I I feel like I consider myself an introvert. I feel like I'm very similar. I'm an introvert, but I force myself to be extroverted. But at the same time, personally, I am not struggling that much during the pandemic with regards to like not going out and socializing. Like I've been keeping busy at home. I've been very, very fortunate yeah. to be like hosting really regularly and just and then streaming a lot. And like I've been pretty happy. And like, I just feel so bad for the majority of fucking everyone else because I'm sitting here like, 
I'm not struggling that much, to be honest. Like my mental health is in a really good place right now. And like, I get enough social interaction from like Twitch and stuff like that. And I have my like two little dogs here and like, I feel great. And I feel really bad because, you know, a lot of people yeah. are, are not as happy as I am. During I think week. for me, it isn't so much socializing. It's that I'm forced to not leave the house as much. I think that's the actual uh, issue. It's I don't yeah. actually want to go out and hang out with people necessarily, sure. but I want, I want the ability that the if option. I- I want the option. Okay. I don't want to feel yeah. caged and I just feel yeah. caged. I think is that. See, and that makes perfect sense. But I, once again, I feel the exact opposite. Like yeah. I feel like I don't want to go out, but I feel like I should want to yeah. go out. And I feel like if people like invite, which like, I feel like I don't really get like invited out, you know, especially not to the bars. Cause you know, like as, yeah. as we talked about, like I'm a recovering alcoholic, I don't drink yeah. anymore. So it's not like my friends are like inviting me out to the bars anyway, before the pandemic. And then now there's just no pressure at all for like, if they're going out, then I'm like, all right, you guys can have fun, like spreading the disease. You know, I'm not going to be there. You know, I, I just, there's just no pressure. You know, yeah. I don't have to turn anyone down. I don't have to like, I don't have to go anywhere. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing though. Like, I think that those are the people who are like, they should, I, I feel very grateful for them. Like people who are okay in this, I, I feel very yeah. grateful for because yeah, like it's bad everywhere else. Like yeah, I know. It's just like and we, I, I, I feel like part of it might not just be COVID. Um, at least for me, I think a lot of it is like the overall stress when you look at, like the economy when you look at our election cycle that has been yes. going on, the politics. It's like a combination of we have we have COVID where we've had uh, an insane amount of people who have died. We have the election, which is a complete like just. The political climate is a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, and then we have like the unemployment because like I, me and my girlfriend live together um, and she got furloughed for like, I don't know, six, six weeks, eight weeks. Um, yeah. and I don't think people realize that. Yes, you have unemployment, but she was literally working again before she ever got any of that unemployment. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like and same thing. So, yeah, my boyfriend um, is self-employed. He's a personal trainer. Yeah. But like gym's closed. You know, so I live in Ohio and um, in March, I think it was, it must've been like April or so, April or so is when our governor decided to close all gyms, you know? So then he was like, well, shit, I'm out of work, you know, like, um, and it was kind of a, you know, not great moment for a while. Um, And then things have opened back up in Ohio, which is, I have mixed (laughs) feelings. Things are, you know, it's, it's a pandemic. It's not an ideal situation, but yeah, same thing. And then finally, like, I think um, for a while also self-employed people either were not eligible for any sort of like pandemic unemployment assistance. And then now they are. And it was just a whole, yeah. who knows what's going on anymore. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm ho- I'm just, I'm hoping it gets better come January. That's all I'm hoping. Yes. I'm just, I'm like, I feel like I'm just, everyone's just <laughs> holding up for January and hoping that everything works out till January. Yeah. Um. So I don't, it's it's interesting. So you mentioned you live in Ohio. You also yeah. went to school for or in college in Ohio. Did you grow up in Ohio? Is that where you are just I, born and yeah. raised? Yeah, I did. I'm born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio. Went to the Ohio State University. Um, and then for a year out of college, here's my whole kind of elevator picture, my spiel of my life story. So for a year after college, I stuck around here in Ohio working a like nine to five desk job that I hated while I was trying to get into gaming. Um, And then in, so I graduated 2010. So I was like all of 2011, I was working that job. And then beginning of 2012, 
is when I got a job offer out in San Diego. Yeah, with MMO uh, Attack, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I moved out to work for them um, and lived there. So I lived in San Diego for a year and then I got my job offer from for Curse. So I moved to Curse for, or I'm sorry, I moved to Alabama, Huntsville, Huntsville Alabama, actually, which is where Curse was headquartered at the time. Um, and I lived there for a about a year and a half and then back to Ohio for about a year and then moved to New York for a year. And then I came back to Ohio. And so, yeah, yeah I've been here on and off basically my entire life. So I actually grew up in upper Michigan, so I'm not that. Oh, great. Ohio, Midwest. So. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I'm like way up in, I'm not like Detroit. Everyone says Detroit when they think Michigan. I'm like okay. the UP like Michigan. Upper Peninsula. Yeah, the upper yeah. Peninsula okay. of Michigan. Okay. Next yeah. to the Great Lakes. Yeah. Uh, lots of snow. It's awful. Um, oh, <laughs> that's why I moved to Florida. Um, but it's nice in the summer. My my brother-in-law's family has a, a lake house on. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the city that it's in because it's obviously be on. No, it'd be on Lake Michigan, though, right? Is that or what other lakes are up there? There's there's a lot of great lakes up there. There's a lot of great lakes yeah. that Michigan touches. Okay, never yeah. mind. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been to Michigan. I've went to one of your lakes. It was yeah, beautiful. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Kind of looking at growing up, what did your parents do for a living? Um, my dad has been a software engineer for his uh, you know entire life after graduating college. Um, my mom was trained as an accountant, but she uh, worked for like six years and then had my older sister and then stopped working to raise the children. So, which was really nice, um, you know, um, having a, having a stay at home mom. Yeah. You know, I think was uh, really I'm really lucky in a lot of ways for uh, because of that. And, um, yeah, so when I got to college, it was kind of, it was kind of one of those, um, you know, it's not even a question like you are going to college, regardless of like what I wanted. And of course, at the time I wanted to go to college because like I was already starting to think that I wanted to get into gaming, but like yeah. I had no idea how. And when I was in high school at the time, you're kind of starting to figure out like where you want to go to college and what you want to study and stuff. I had no like solid formed ideas of like, here's what I want to do in the game industry. I just knew I wanted to work with games because like that's what I like doing. Yeah. So I got to college, thought, all right, well, I'll pick computer science as a major because then um, maybe I can try to be like a game developer or something, you yeah. know, or at the very least, I will hopefully be able to be like gainfully employed and then in my spare time work on like gaming and try to get, you know, I had, I had kind of a plan and I'm shocked that it actually kind of worked out. So, so, you know, my parents, like, you know, my parents were never like, they were never, they never, I think I was never too like clear with my parents because I wasn't clear with myself of like what I wanted to do in gaming. Yeah. So they were kind of like, all right, yeah, you're going to be either a, you know, uh, uh, you're going to major in computer science or you're going to major in accounting because those are like safe things to major in. And then you're going to go and you're going to get a job. You're going to work, contribute to your 401k, and then you're going to have some kids and you're going to retire. And that's your life plan. And I uh, like was on board with it for a little bit. And then I kind of deviated from that quite now, a lot. Uh, you, you mentioned your your dad was kind of also <laughs> into like the sciences. Did he? Yeah. Did he influence you a lot to want to eventually like, get more into it? Like, was it your, your family that got you more into like the gaming and being, I guess, socially acceptable? Because yeah. a lot of other people, their families are not socially acceptable at all. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, my, so because my dad was a gamer in like the 80s. Yeah. So on, you know, the NES and like arcade games and stuff like that. So, you know, we always had video games in the house growing up. So like as soon as I was like able to walk, I was playing like Duck Hunt and Mario yeah. with my dad on the NES. Um, and then he, we didn't have a, a Super Nintendo. 
Um, but we got an N64. We all, we had a, I think we had a Sega Genesis instead, mm-hmm. but like around that time. And then like the N64, when things were starting to get kind of 3d, my dad started to get like motion sickness when he played games. So he stopped gaming, but like me and my sister kept going. Yeah. Um, and then for a while though, here's kind of a fun story. So another way, actually, oh yeah, here's another sort of way I, I got into gaming and stayed into gaming. We were taking a trip to Florida, um, went, or actually maybe it wasn't Florida. Shoot. We were taking oh, oh, false a, memory, false memory. We did, we had, yeah, we were taking a car trip somewhere. I was pretty young. I was probably five. We were taking a car trip somewhere. Um, and it was a long drive is at least like a 12 hour drive, I think. So my parents didn't want me and my sister to be fighting in the car and they didn't want us to be bored. So they bought us each a Game Boy mm-hmm. and I just did not touch mine. And I just watched my sister play hers the entire time. So it was like Twitch before Twitch, you know, yeah. like I had no interest in playing the games myself. I just wanted to watch her. And then she ended up like kind of growing out of games when we got when she got to like middle school, I think. And then I just never grew out of it. So it's interesting you mentioned that because you also did a, a medium article uh, where you actually talk about this, where yes. getting in middle school, it seems that everyone just suddenly shifts in their, I don't know, the like social like viewpoint yeah. of gaming. That's in my mind when, when we got to middle school was in my mind. So that was at at the time that would have been like 1999 probably would have been my sixth grade year. And like, so I, like, it was literally, I I remember thinking how weird it was. Like my friends who like, like, I remember we, we were at my friend Elizabeth's birthday party and we played Mario party and Mario Kart on the N64. We had it so much fun. That was like our fifth grade year. And then we get to middle school and I'm like showing up like, oh yeah, you know, anyone, anyone want to play some GoldenEye? And they're like looking at me like, we don't play that. I'm like, what the fuck is happening, you guys? And like, I remember like talking about Sailor Moon to them and they were like, ew. And I'm like, what the fuck? We wrote fan fiction together, you bitches. Yeah. Like, don't come at me with that ew bullshit. Like, I was, it was a very weird, like, betrayal moment of, like, I don't know. And I just, I, I didn't understand. I still don't understand. I mean, I kind of do. But because I think at the time, maybe there was a lot of, like, media messaging around, like, you know, because you get to middle school and you're starting to be like, oh, noticing boys and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe they thought, like, oh, boys don't want to date you know, girls who like boy things, or I don't even know if that's what it is. Cause you know, again, I don't really know their motivations. I then, I still don't understand their motivations. Like as an adult, I'm trying to look back into like the psychology of like, why did they suddenly decide that video games were disgusting? And I don't think to be fair, you know, it's not like I think that it was all girls in my grade yeah. thought that. I just remember, I just know that was my experience with that I mean, group. Was it, of, like, was it weird like, when your sister did it though? Cause I mean, if it happened three years, I mean, you see you, the thing is, I don't remember my sister having that same attitude okay. about it. And that is like also like, because so that's why maybe it didn't strike me as weird. Well, because that's the other thing is like it was to me, it seemed like it was just her friends didn't really like it. So yeah. that's why she kind of stopped playing games. Whereas I remember like my friends giving me a little like a little shit. Like they were like, I don't know, they were being little bitches about it, you know? <laughs> As children do, children are awful. Yeah, I should probably forgive them, but like I'm still, that's that's a chip I still have on my shoulder, I think. <laughs> no, it's perfect, right? We yeah. all we all work to to be better. Yeah. Um, so so growing up, what kind of what kind of kid were you? Were you the the studious? Uh, I I'm doing really well in all of my because you obviously graduated from yeah. college. Were you like really good like across yeah. the board school wise? Yeah. Sports band kid like. I was a band kid. I was um from oh, a clarinet. pretty. Uh, you played clarinet. I did. Woodwinds, sweet. I was flute yeah. and piccolo, but then yeah. I also played, I was in jazz band also in high school. I did, uh, 
played saxophone as well. <laughs> so I did a lot um, in, in high school, especially I was very like try hard, very studious. I remember not like trying too hard until high school. I remember like I was a pretty smart kid. So a lot of things came pretty naturally. A lot of things I didn't have to try at school throughout like yeah. middle school. Um, and I was a pretty, you know, like rule follower, you know, stay in line, don't make waves, don't cause trouble. Um, and I, like, I remember a few times, like I remember one time I was in fifth grade and, you know, I was a kid, so I was getting excited. I was probably on a sugar high. Some, a couple of kids were running around the classroom. So I was running around the classroom with them and then we all got in trouble. And it was the first time I had ever been in trouble in my life. And I cried so hard. And I still remember like the intense feelings of shame of like getting in trouble, you know? Yeah. And like, so I was like a rule follower. I did not, you know, I, I was very like, okay, if the teacher says you do something, you do it. You don't question it kind of thing. Um, anyway. And then high school. Yeah. I was very, uh, very studious, very, you know, you school, you study, you go to band practice, you come home, you know, you mm -hmm. do it again. And, you do all the extracurriculars because it's got to go on your college application and they want you to, you know, like I, I, I remember, I think we had some sort of like volunteer club that I also joined as a sophomore, sophomore. And then, you know, I followed my big sister's footsteps in a lot of this because she was, you know, doing everything right. She joined this uh, volunteer club and then worked her way up through the ranks and became the president of it. Yeah. That looked really good on her college application. So then I did the same things and I, I wasn't the president. I was like the vice president or something. I was always like following in my sister's footsteps, but like not quite as good as her. I was like, when you make a carbon copy of something and so it's like a little bit blurry, not yeah. quite as good as the original, but it tries really hard. That was me. Yeah. So <laughs> did the, did, did that ever like have uh, I mean, that's got to be a weird thing. Just constantly following in your your sister. I mean, it doesn't sound like it was really your who you are. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying is it sounds like you were doing something else that everyone wanted you to be not the yeah. person that you were. Correct. Yeah. And it took me a very, very long time to figure out like who I was and what I wanted. And, you know, I think I've gone through like a lot of phases and I went through phases where I was like, you know, I went through phases where I was more actively kind of like trying to emulate my sister. And then I went through phases where I like swung too hard the other way. And I did the exact opposite and whatever she's doing, I'm not doing. And, you know, and then I've kind of come back and forth in a, in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, there was, it was a lot of, and it wasn't necessarily like overt pressure. Yeah. And it, there were some ways that my parents would be like, okay, you're doing this and you're doing that. And then there'd be other ways when they wouldn't say that, but it's just, they'd be very disappointed. So it was like highly do. implied. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, my mom kind of owns it. She says she's a tiger mom. You know, she, she abides by the tiger mom philosophy. Like she, you know, I don't know. <laughs> are, are your parents uh, from the United States? Cause I've only ever heard <laughs> tiger mom applied to people who are like first generation. Uh, right. That's why I don't know if my mom's going to watch this, but I have some mixed I have some very, very mixed feelings about her identifying as that because she is a quarter Chinese. Her um, dad's dad came over from China in like the early 1900s. So my great grandfather, her okay. grandfather. Um, but my mom doesn't speak a single word of Chinese. She couldn't name probably more than two cities in China. Um you know, her father didn't speak any Chinese or or teach her any of the culture. Yeah. So that's the one single thing that she picks and chooses and goes, ah, that's why it's because we're part Asian. And that's why I want you to be very smart and studious. And to me, that feels a little bit racist. It sounds like a very bad way to justify maybe some behaviors that uh, maybe weren't the best. <laughs> I'm just that's what my therapist says as well. Well. <laughs> I was going to be a therapist. That might be why I. Uh, well, also... I know you, you have the psychology background. You know. 
Yeah. It's, I just find it interesting that you said because I've actually I've had a lot of people on who are like first generation because of esports. A lot of them are first yeah. generation, and especially sure. getting into esports, their families were not happy, and it was very bad. Like for right. a lot of them. So right. No, um, my parents are just white, and they, you know, <laughs> it's you said it, not me. So yeah, it, it's fine. No. Um, like uh, that's inter- interesting though. But so she was she was probably really hard on you, wanting to you to. Did you ever have like a bad grade? Like, do you, do you ever? Um, I mean, I had, well, the bar was different for, um, you know, I think me than for a lot of my peers. And so for instance, like I, you know, I did all the AP classes in, in yeah. high school, um, graduated with like a 4.2 GPA. Um, and you know, cause obviously like, I don't know how they even do it nowadays or like, but yeah, I, I'm sure you, I mean, again, you grew up around the same time I did on, if, if you I went could to only, I think you could kind of technically get above, oh, you could get above 4.2 if you took college classes. That was the only way possible to get above oh, four point. So maybe it was different in your school in my high yeah. school the way they did it is you had um regular classes which were weighted on a 4.0 scale and then you had honors classes and then you had ap classes and honors classes i don't remember what the what it was called but it was basically it was like it was you could get up to like a 4.125 gpa if you got straight a pluses in all honors classes and then there were ap classes which i think you could get like a 4.3 was oh. the maximum or something? It, it was like probably that. the same. It's just I never did honors or AP classes because oh, I was I was not okay. I was I, I I was not that smart in high school. I didn't become oh, like semi intelligent okay. until like college when everyone else because like I struggled through high school and then when I got to college I was used to struggling so it was like oh this is okay. basically the same thing and then okay. everyone who like skated their way through high school got to college yeah. and they were like what do I do yeah. um, and they were failing so it was like the only benefit is like some of those people who like were so much better than me in high school because I went to a local uh, college where I was at. Um, we were in like the same class and they were like failing and they were like, how, how are you How are you doing this? Because they always assumed uh, that I was stupider than them because I did yeah. worse in like other classes. I was like, what do you mean? This is, you just got to spend some time and do this. This isn't hard. That's so interesting because I've heard, because, so, you know, again, so I am kind of, I'm, I'm not an extreme case, but I'm a, a similar to a lot of cases of like, um, I don't know what they call it, but there's some term it's called like honors child syndrome or something like that, where you're like so used to being like gifted and talented and, you know, not really trying too hard and still getting the good grades. And then you get to maybe college. For me, it was certain courses in college where like life kind of serves you with a healthy dose of reality of like, hey, you actually have to try and work. And this is what everybody else yeah. has had to do all this fucking time. And yeah. you, you lazy jackass have just been skating by and doing the bare minimum and still getting the good grades. And that's not fucking enough anymore. Yeah. Which is kind of how life works. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it just, is. that's kind of how privilege works. That's in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. So interesting enough, you're going for this degree. Did it, did, was that a choice? Was it like, because it, the way you make it sound is it kind of really wasn't, you couldn't do whatever you wanted. It was basically, yeah. you're either going to be an accountant or you're going into computer science. Those are your options. And they didn't paint, they, 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 they were, they weren't quite specific. They painted with a little bit broader of a brush than that. I would say my parents did have the stipulation that like, okay, we will pay for your college education as long as you go to a university that we approve of. And part of that means a university that is in Ohio. They didn't want me to go out of state for college. Um, And so, you know, and Ohio has plenty of fine universities. Too bad I didn't end up at one of them. I'm totally kidding. No, I had a great time at Ohio State. I love the university. (laughs) I just thought that would be a funny, funny joke. Um, My sister went to Miami University of Ohio, which is in um, Oxford, Ohio. 
And so I ended up there for my first semester because, um, again, my parents were like, oh, well, she's there. Like, you'll have uh, this kind of comforting presence there. She can keep you out of trouble. You know, like they thought that they thought that if I had an older sister at the same college that I wouldn't do anything. It's probably the exact opposite, isn't it? It's got to be the exact opposite. Your, your older sister's like, yeah, here, let's 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 go no she was also she was such a little rule follower as well though like she didn't drink until she was 21 you know and she has never tried anything that wasn't alcohol or caffeine you know and and so she was not yeah she was a very like she would have been a a a good influence on me in terms of i mean i was already starting to rebel at that time so i wasn't going to fucking listen to her but like she wasn't going to be the bad influence on me she wasn't the one leading me astray my parents and, and my parents knew that and so they thought like oh well she can be there to like keep an eye on you and like report to us if you do anything that we don't like. But, um, but I, I ended up transferring to Ohio state because I like Miami has this very, has a reputation for being very like preppy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just kind of, I went into it with the wrong attitude. I, I, I wasn't, I went there because of a lot of pressure from my parents. Um, they didn't say you have to go to Miami, but they really like, they were like, only going to be super, I knew it would make them happy. And I was still kind of like, I want to make them happy. You know, I knew it'd make them very, very happy if we went to Miami. So I went to Miami, but I didn't give it a fair chance. Like I wasn't happy about it. I was like, I'm not going to fit in. And then it's self-fulfilling prophecy. If you go in to something thinking this isn't for me, I'm never going to fit in. Why even bother? Well, then guess what? You're not going to fit in. You are going to be the fucking weirdo freak who like eats spaghetti while playing video games in her dorm room while everyone else is out making friends and like, learning shit, you know, I don't know. Um, so I didn't give it a fair shake and then, um, ended up transferring to Ohio state. Um, and then I changed my major quite a lot because, um, like, you know, again, my parents weren't like, Oh, you have to major in computer science, but like, I was already interested in computers. I was already like a computer geek, um, you know, in high school and, you know, my dad's software engineer. So I knew like, okay, well, runs in the family. Like he can help me with my homework. If, if I, he wasn't, he was an electrical engineering major, not computer science, but like he's a programmer by, you know, his job. So I was like, well, he'll, he'll know everything I can ask him for anyway. Um, and then, you know, going back to, I can, I can get a stable job, but I ended up changing my major several times, kept coming back to computer science. But like at one point I did, um, Ohio state at the time had a major that was called, I think it was called, uh, art and animation or something. I don't remember what they called it, but essentially it was like computer animation. I was like, oh, I'll do that. But it was through the College of Art. So it was like a lot of art courses. Turns out I'm really bad at art. Like I knew that already, but I still thought like I want to do the computer graphics. I want to do the animation so I can muscle my way through. I could not. It was terrible. Um, I just so anyway, I I just switched a couple more times to other sort of engineering related things and always ended up with computer science. That's what I graduated with. Mm -hmm. So going through that entire time uh, doing this computer science degree, it's it's not really what you want to do, is it? No, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't what I wanted to do. (laughs) I even like, like, I remember like, uh, one thing that always stands out is so for the major that I did for computer science at Ohio state, you obviously have to take like a certain number of whatever electives and a certain amount of programming courses and a certain amount of math courses And I basically took like the bare minimum of the actual programming that I could. So like you had a couple, like you could choose a specialization. Yeah. And like some, most, most of my like peers were basically choosing to take as many 
coding classes as they could and like actually learn this stuff. And I was like actively trying to avoid that. I was like, oh, if I can take, you know, oh, this like, I don't know, operating systems or whatever, anything that's not like actual coding. And like, now I look back and I'm like, well, that should have been a sign that like, I didn't want to actually do this. Like I had an internship where I was doing programming. That's the only time I've actually worked as a coder in my life. And I was so bad at it. Like, good thing it was just an internship. It was only three months long. There was Literally for no sure, way aerospace to company too, right? Uh, yes, Ball Aerospace Technologies Corporation in Albuquerque. Um, and because it was just it was literally it was there for me to it was a sweet setup. It was there for me to pay, get paid to learn. They were not actually expecting anything out of me. They had two summer interns. It was kind of it was a smaller branch, like or a, I don't know if it was um like because it I don't remember now if that was there. It must not have been their headquarters because it was kind of a smaller location. So they only had um oh yeah because they had another one in. Their main one was in Colorado, I think. Oh, yeah, because they had this summer intern program. Now I'm all like remembering it all. They had this summer intern program and they had like three different locations. The other two locations had like these huge like 20 interns and they were always doing these bonding activities. It looked like the most fucking fun I've ever seen in my life. And then it was like me and this one other intern at like our branch, you know, and everyone else there was like 45 and he and I were like 20. I, tra- I turned 21 while I was there in New Mexico. And it was just like me and like one other person my age. And like, I don't know, um, that's completely besides the point. But it was literally like there were no expectations for us. Yeah. Like they they it was just there for our benefit. It was like completely like for us to learn. So it was a great setup. But I was I was very bad at it. And that really kind of cemented in my mind of like, I'm not going to be a programmer. So so the one year that I like used my degree out of college, I wasn't working as a coder. Um, mm-hmm. I was like technically a computer science degree was required, but it was just spreadsheets all day long. So. Spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets so much. <laughs> I love Excel sh- spreadsheets. I use them all the time. Like I was having a conversation the other day. They were like, oh, we hate Excel. I was like, I use Excel in like my daily life. Like yeah. I-, I map my calorie counts, my uh, nutrition counts, like my yeah. budgets, like everything is just Excel sheets. Like all I get it. it. And it's like for people that like spreadsheets, like it's it's. I get the appeal, but that's not me. And especially not for like what I was doing for my job. Or like I have friends that play Eve online and they have like, they, they track their, their mining and shit with, you know, Excel spreadsheets. Yep. So I've done that for many, uh, many MMOs. That is uh, a common thing. So yeah, I bet Uh, you use Excel to track your gains and losses on the stonk market. I I do actually. There we go. I I do. It's there's, there's a, really good options tracker spreadsheet that I found that I get the appeal because I started to use it until again, I was looking and I'm like, oh shit. So this month I lost this much money. The next month I lost this much money. I'm going to stop using this, but you would probably like it because it has like a live updater that you just type in the stock ticker and then it fills in the information of like what its current price is and stuff like that. So oh, that's, I can I, link it to you later. We should we should talk afterwards. We should yeah, talk. I feel like afterwards <laughs> we should just talk a lot about stock market. I can tell you my, I think I finally found, like I have a, I've, I've read and watched hundreds, if not thousands of hours now of stock market stuff. And I can like point you in those directions, which you okay. might want to do. But I don't I think you should, ever, you should never trade real money. You should wait. Like, God forbid, please don't <laughs> trade real money. If anyone is into trading, do not trade real money until you can prove a strategy works. If you can't, yeah. don't trade. You'll burn your account. So. <laughs> I live my life a little more fast and loose than uh, yeah. you do, Blake. <laughs> you're like a, you're ready for a Wall Street bet story. That's all I, I know. like. That was your favorite subreddit, probably, right? Like, oh god, I like that one. It's so it's yeah, it's so bad. It's, it's so, so good bad. though. Anyone, I, I think there's a correlation between people who go on that uh, Reddit post and who blow up their account. I think that yeah. there's probably a strong correlation. There. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but no, I think it's it's interesting. So, how do you? 
how are you dealing with it on the day to day, knowing that you're doing something that you don't particularly like? That can't be fun. I also switched majors multiple times and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, like, there was a looming feeling of like, what the fuck am I going to do? I have to graduate yeah. with a degree now because I have debt. Yeah. Um, and if I don't graduate, I am in very big trouble because that's not the part. No, anyone tells you that, hey, you're you're giving away like 60,000 plus dollars to get this degree. And if you don't finish, you still have to pay that back. Yeah. So hopefully you get a job. Good luck. Right. If you don't, you're screwed. <laughs> um, but how do you deal with that going through? Like, you know that you don't like this. You're kind mm -hmm. of like forcing yourself to go through the program. Like mm -hmm. what, how, what effect does that have on your life? Um, I, I started drinking a lot, <laughs> plain and simple. Like that's one big side effect. Like that's so, cause that's so like, I didn't have the pressure of, you know, oh, I have student debt or whatever. My parents yeah. paid for college, which I'm very grateful for. But at the same time, it was kind of like, okay, well, that's why I finished. Cause I have the pressure of my parents invested all this money in this. And I'm not just going to drop out. I mean, I was getting decent grades. I wasn't like yeah. failing out of college, like, but I was really depressed all through college. Um, you know, and, and to compound things, like I remember like I had had um, my sophomore year, I fell in with this group of friends who became very, very tight knit, very close friends. And that was the group of friends that I kind of started drinking and partying with to begin with. Um, but then during my senior year, I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. And it was one of those where like all my friends went, you know, on his side and completely cut me out of their lives. And even like a couple of them like blocked me on Facebook. And I'm oh. like, great. So it's the middle of my senior year. Like I have no boyfriend, no friends. Like, and it was also like, I'd broken up with him because he fucking cheated on yeah. me and everybody sided with them. So it was like, I just had gotten cut out of a group of friends, had no boyfriend. Like, I'm just like, well, fuck. Like, I, I made a group of, so during, during my senior year, I made a group of online friends and I, you know, of course I'm like, I'm miserable. I don't want to do this as a living. I want to get into gaming, but I don't know how. So, um, yeah, my senior year of college, honestly, is when I kind of started self-isolating and just like drinking alone. And, but the, the, the way I, you know, didn't categorize it as drinking alone was cause I had a lot of friends, um, from, uh, at the time I was really active on the destructoid forums. Do you remember destructoid? Uh, I do. I actually, I think someone else owns it now, but I know the person who owns it now. You know, Nero. Um, oh, oh, never mind. Nero so was the I, old. I didn't. I didn't really get into it when, because uh, I did, I'm like a really odd case of like esports gaming person, where I actually didn't really get into the internet until I got into like college. Like I basically oh, played okay, one yeah. MMO from like six to like sixteen, and then a different MMO from sixteen to like twenty one, and then okay. League of Legends came out, and my life was changed. Okay. So. Um. But um. Or was I? Oh, yeah. So I was really active on the Destructoid forums. And so like, you know, again, I'm like, I don't have any fucking friends IRL. So, you know, every weekend, it, this group of friends that I used to hang out and party with are, you know, hanging on partying without yeah. me. And I'm just like, well, shit, I guess I'll drink alone. Oh, wait, we can have a little. I don't remember what. I think we use like Skype. We use like Skype videos back then because this was in like this is like in like 2010. Yeah, I think. that would have yeah. been Skype. People were yeah. still using like, Skype pretty exclusively. Yeah. So but, we all did like Skype video chats yeah. and like we would all like drink together. And again, like, and so in my mind, I'm like, I'm not drinking alone. And look, these assholes are getting shit faced too on the internet. This is totally normal. Um, yeah, you know, and then that kind of thing just continued. I graduated college, went to work at a job that I hated and I was miserable. You know, I was very, very depressed during, especially I remember that really, really starting during my senior year, like I said, of college. And then throughout that entire year that I was, working at this day job that I hated trying to get into gaming and, you know, again, like not really having any friends, having no social life. 
um, I was horribly depressed. So yeah, I didn't deal with it well to answer that question. <laughs> so I want to I want to kind of delve in a little bit here. And yeah. if I get too touchy, don't don't be afraid to let me know. Um, one of the things that I've at least noticed from a lot of the stories that you've told um, is you, you mentioned the alcoholism and then you mentioned like your relationship. But there, I think there was at least two that were really bad uh, yeah. where you had like very abusive people. There's no other way to really yeah. put it. They were just abusive. Um, yeah. Do you think that that's because a, a large portion of how you viewed yourself? Like, did you not view yourself yeah. as like a good person? Like, what was that viewpoint that you had of yourself? Um, I don't think it was. It wasn't that I didn't think I was a good person. Um, I think that I didn't. I don't think I. Looking back, I don't think I thought too hard about mm -hmm. like what kind of person I was. I just didn't really care too much. You know, I really sort of viewed everything as things happening to me. And that's, yeah. this is, this is a sort of a core thing of like, like alcoholics and alcoholism. A lot of the time is a, we tend to view the world as things happening to us. And then we're just reacting to it rather than bothering to think like, what is my part in this? What is my, where's my responsibility? You know? Um, so, um, I didn't really think about like whether I was like a good person or not. I didn't really think about myself. I didn't have too much of an opinion about myself. So I think when things happened or like when I got into these relationships with people that were horrible and abusive and treated me terribly, I just accepted it because it wasn't necessarily that I thought like, well, I can't do any better or whatever. I just kind of thought like, oh, well, this is how it is. And this person sucks, you know, and I just didn't think a lot of it. A lot of my life was me not thinking and just like reacting. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you were like you did. I mean, most of your life growing up is you were kind of just taught that, hey, this is the way that it is. You just kind of go with the flow. That's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really ever think about connecting those two. But yeah, you're entirely right. Like a lot of my life was like me not really um, like accepting my own agency or yeah. being like aware of like my impact on the world or my impact on other people or my impact on my own life and not me, me not really taking control of like anything and realizing that like I can do what I want. And that's kind of something that has really marked my adult years as like separate. Yeah. And especially my last two like sober years as like separate from the rest of my life is it's like, you know what? I can do what I want. I can make my career my own. And I have, and that's something that like, it's, it's funny because I am so proud of my career. And in a lot of ways, I'm, am still pretty, um, surprised that I was able to kind of like strike out on my own and, you know, just kind of make this, this career that I love. Um, when, you know, all my life up until then was me doing what other people wanted or expected me to do, yeah. or you know, me doing what my parents wanted for me. And then like my career is like the one thing. And I'm like, Oh, I finally, I did this cause I wanted to. Could you give any advice for people who are in that situation? I think it's pretty common that people are in that situation where they feel like they have to I would say go with uh, either societal norms or the norms. And I think to some degree, there is some truth to that. Um, like, I don't want to say it's completely unfounded. And you shouldn't because frankly, uh, like for me personally, having a psych degree does not mean that you are going to succeed. Like you are, I think you're stacking the cards slightly against yourself and it's about how good you are at using whatever you have then. Um, and you can make it happen, but it's still like, there's still a chance that it might not work out the same way. If you get an engineering degree, you might have slightly better odds, but that doesn't mean yeah. you're going to get a job because right. anything that's there. But what kind of advice would you give people who are kind of like fighting for, for, uh, for this? They have this, they're, they're, yeah. they're feeling like they're forced into something and they, they want to do something else. There's a lot of things I would say, and kind of a lot to unpack there. Um, I think one thing that kind of comes to mind for me is um, the realization that you can't, like force anything. And so like you said something about like, okay, um, 
I like what you said about how, you know, yeah, you're getting the engineering degree. You might not, um, you know, there's a chance you might fail, you know, just like, so there's a chance with anything. So I don't think that means that you shouldn't try because the other thing is like, you never know what else you're going to gain. So sure. Like you try something, it doesn't work out. That doesn't mean you just don't try anything ever again. You know, that means like, okay, well, we take what we learned from that. We take what did work from that because something unexpected might've worked out. Something else that you weren't anticipating might end up working out. And you just never would have known if you hadn't taken that chance. Um, And so like a lot of things it's, it's, I think you like, I have sort of reframed my viewpoints on like failure in a lot of ways because of that. Um, And I know this didn't really like uh, address your question too much of like, um, you know, people who feel pressured to do something like the other piece of the puzzle I would say is um, like, and it's, it's a little bit different when it's pressure from your like parents or something like that. But in general, when it comes to like, I kind of think it's, and this is going to sound cheesy, but like follow your heart in a lot of ways, because if you're forcing yourself to do something that like your heart is not in, it's going to be so much harder to do. And like, it's just forcing, like we all have like, and again, it's also going to sound cheesy. Like we all have our own like unique gifts. We all have things that make us different and things that we are better at and things that we are worse at. And it's, horrible when you are not good at something, but you force yourself to try to do that thing anyway, in terms of like, if you put, and I don't mean don't do anything you're bad at this. What I mean by that is like, if there is something that is, and again, I don't want to say, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I don't want to like discourage anyone from doing anything, but I also don't think that you should put all of your eggs into a basket. If you know, that basket doesn't really have like your whole heart in it. You know, like don't put your everything into like, like do what you want. Okay. If you're not good at something, but you want to do it, do it anyway. Great. But at the same time, don't force yourself to do something because it's what you think you should be doing. I I think that's good. I see. I have a lot more, I think, a pessimist, pessimistic outlook. And I think it's because I worked in esports because like the most common question for anyone who works in esports, like by far is how do I get into esports? Yeah. I think it's an awful question. Um, just in a yeah. general, like, because if, if you can't answer that question, you're probably never going to make it in esports. Like, that's kind of the fundamental crux is, is that everyone has to kind of figure out their own way. And it changes yeah. um, as time goes on. But generally, like the actual advice that I would give to someone is that you shouldn't get into esports. You should get into something else that works in mainstream society and sidestep. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. probably actually like the best way. Um, okay. Because I think that going against the flow is just generally harder. And I think that in the United States specifically, we don't have health care or any other benefits. And so, frankly, um, I don't know if anyone else has not had insurance. It's fucking terrifying not having insurance and needing it. So, like, that in itself is, like, I guess one of the things why I'm, like, more pessimistic of, like, you should probably do something that maybe works at least somewhat in mainstream society or mm-hmm. works with the flow. Be- just because our... our it feels like at least in the United States, it's not as set up to yeah. protect you. And that's the exact same advice I've heard a lot of people say, which I do think is, is there's definitely something to that, especially yeah. these days, like 10 years ago is completely different, but especially these days, the game industry and esports needs fucking everything, no matter what, like if your goal is to work in esports, cool, do whatever the fuck you want. Like get a degree in yeah. maybe accounting because they're look at all these fucking esports companies. Who do you think is doing their payroll? Fucking accountants. Like it's not those little like dipshits out there who make YouTube compilation videos and go, Oh, I want to work in esports. They don't get hired as fucking accountants for these yeah. esports companies. No, it's the assholes who went to college and majored in accounting, you know? So I think like, I, I, I guess I would completely agree with that. Like do something and then turn it into an esports something instead of like, don't put the yeah. cart before the horse. 
Yeah, I think that, I agree that's with fair. that. I like so, that, Blake. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I really enjoy talking with you. I'm just going to throw thank it out you. there now. Like, normally thank I wish to compliment you till the end, but I like. <laughs> thank you. That's a very yeah. nice thing to say. Yeah. So uh, you're working at JP Morgan and then all of a sudden uh, you're you're on the side of doing JP Morgan. You are doing some video content that is not paying yep. you very much. Um, right. it, I believe you quoted it saying $50 a video and it would yes. take you 12 to 15 hours to do. Yep. Um, so you were doing that. I guess my question is at this time, you're doing these other things and the, the drinking doesn't stop, does it? Right. It okay. does not. What kind of alcoholic were you? Because everyone assumes alcoholics are people who drink just all the time, which isn't yeah. true. Like that, yeah. there, there's many different types of alcoholics. There are some <sighs> that are so just many. weekend binge drinkers yeah. who are just gone. There are some who can drink every night. Um, yep. They're very different. Um, yeah. So what, what kind of alcoholic were you? I was all of the kinds because I had a 13 year long drinking career. I started drinking when I was 17 and then I. Oh, you started early too. Yeah, it wasn't when I was 17. Like I say that I, I consider, well, okay. I consider my drinking career career to really have begun when I was 19. Well, I was 17 when I had my first drink is what mm-hmm. I will say. I was 17 when I had my first drink, um, but I was 19 when I really began drinking. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I went in different phases, you know, of, of alcoholism as far as what it looked like. It's looked at a it's looked like many different things depending on, um, you know, where I was at in my life. And I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because you're absolutely correct. And so many people don't understand that. And that is something that keeps people that keeps alcoholics drinking for so long is they think, well, I don't look like what I think an alcoholic looks like my drinking. They go, well, I don't drink every day or they go, well, I don't drink. I don't black out. I only drink on weekends. You know, I don't do this. I don't do that. That means I'm not an alcoholic. And what makes someone an alcoholic or not is not how much they drink. It's not how frequently they drink. It's not who they drink with. It's not whether they drink alone. It's why they drink. Yeah. And that is like literally kind of the the, the spirit of like AA really is finding out those things about yourself and finding out why you drink. Um, so um, for instance, like to put it in perspective, I think when I was um, that year out of college, um, I was probably drinking most nights, I would say. Um, well, no, I wasn't cause I was doing that, all that video stuff. So I wouldn't really have had time. Oh yeah. So that year, actually, I was a little bit still more of a social drinker because I lived very close to this one bar. I lived walking distance from this bar that like, I think it was like every Wednesday they would have like cheap burger night. So every Wednesday I would get like a few friends together and I would, you know, walk over there. We would get cheap burgers. We would get a ton of drinks and we play Euchre. And then I would just stumble back to my apartment afterwards. Um, and then, uh, God, so that wasn't like a super, like one thing, uh, try, I'm trying to think if I have any good little like stories that will kind of illustrate for you what my drinking looked like. Because uh, again, it was, you know, it was, it was different depending on where in my life I was. And there were times that I was hiding it better. There was times yeah. that I was operating more like a normal person. And there were times when I wasn't hiding it as well. But in general, the thing about alcoholism, I'm sure you know this, but it is what they call a progressive disease, which means it always gets worse, never better. Yeah. There's never been anybody who has been like, ah, maybe I reel it in a little bit and then yeah, it no. gets better. That's not how, if they, if they do, they're not an alcoholic. Yeah. It's just not how it works. It yeah. is a disease. Yes, exactly. I actually, I don't, I didn't really tell you this, but when I was working in mental health, I actually worked for a treatment center and I actually <sighs> rebuilt their entire treatment center. So Amazing. I, I, and like I've talked with um, like the National Drug Court Conference. I've done uh, uh, public speaking for them uh, before, too, when I was still doing that kind of stuff. So I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. So I don't really work in it anymore because it's yeah. very stressful, um, yeah, the entire sure. thing. And mental sure. health 
and like the business side is also fucked up. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. God, it's I'm a, sure it's, it's a mess. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess when you were working, did other people notice that you had a problem yet? Had people started to queue in being like, or were you able to still kind of hide it from them? I would say, here's what I would say is alcohols, all alcoholics always think that we're fooling everyone. We always think that we yeah. have it hidden really well. So if you would have asked me, yeah, I was fooling everyone. Yeah, I was hiding it well. And I actually think I was pretty successful at that until 2017 or 2018. Oh, yeah, because so here's you, the other thing. You made it through JP fine then without like anyone oh, noticing. Yeah, no, it was never any issue of like my boss calling me into a room and being like, you smell like alcohol. What are you doing, girl? Go home or whatever. I was hung over at a job like every fucking day. Um, and I mean, the other thing is like, I, at one point I also was able to start working from home and it wasn't something I like wanted to like abuse and do every day or yeah. whatever. But I, 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 especially toward the end when like I started, you know, <laughs> getting really depressed and hating everything, I would work from home a lot more, you know? Um, so yeah, so nobody at work ever knew it wasn't anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then here's something else I always, I, I think I talk about a lot is the game industry is so like, you know how it works. It's so party heavy that yeah. that kept me in denial for a very long time. And again, you, you especially worked in some things and earlier on when it was more, so like Overwatch actually wasn't, I thought it was going to be much worse when I got into it. Cause I'd heard stories about like Cisco, Dota, all that stuff. Overwatch wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, but that's probably mm. because they literally had them working six days a week for 16 hours a day. And the, the one day off, most gamers are like, I just, I just want to stay home. I, yeah. I don't want to go out. And so yeah. uh, I actually very rarely saw uh, players. I saw talent a lot going out, um, but not as much players. Talent would go out every Friday and Saturday, I think, or yep. sometimes more. And I was like, yeah, I could only go out one day and I can't drink a lot because my one day off, I can't be hung over. <laughs> Yeah. What I, and what I did a lot of was like, I ended up, there'd be several events where I'd be like on the show floor doing interviews and such for an event like a PAX or E3, you know, yeah. so during the day you're in and out of meetings, but then at night, the industry parties are where like the real business and the real networking is done. And like, the like that's where like, so it's almost a requirement that you're like on the show floor all day long working. And then you go out to all the parties and you just hop around and you're like, all right, which party can I get into that has the VIP open bar? Like, where can we drink for free? Okay. Well, this one closed. So here's, you know, you map out your whole night. Okay. Well, this one ends at this time. And then we go over here and then we go there. Oh, and then this one is also serving food so we can get, you know, so we don't get too fucking wasted. Oh, yeah. What a crazy notion. But of course we always fucking did. And again, I would look around and I would see all my peers, like literally my coworkers and my fucking bosses doing like the people that hired me doing the exact same fucking thing that yep. I am. So I'm like, great. You know, I know we're not all alcoholics. This industry wouldn't function if that were the case. Yeah. Now you're doing that. And like, I think one of the things I saw, I saw you in an interview with uh, Sir Action Slacks at, at a Dota event. I think it was in like 2015 or 2016. I had a beer in my hand. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. like so normal. And I was like, I don't think I could ever, like, I would never I, go to an event. Like, I guess that's the different thought process where you were at the time thought that, that was just acceptable. Yeah. Whereas me, I, I would be like. No, I would never do this. I would never drink at an event when there's professionals there. Like there's a time where I can drink a little bit. Um, but even when I drink around yeah. professionals, I do, I drink, I get whiskey and I drink it very slowly, like insanely slow. Yeah. Um, because Which was smart. <laughs> no, I was always just trying to get shit faced. I was always yeah. just trying to get as drunk as I could, as fast as I could. And I think with that, I, I don't remember if I remember, 
I, I, Seraction Slacks might have been the one to hand me that beer even. He might, cause like we were up on the like VIP level for, for that. I don't remember what TI that was. Probably TI five would be my guess. And I think we were up on the VIP level and where a lot of the, the unit, so it's all just like the player lounges and stuff yeah. that just have like buckets of beer basically. And so I'm pretty sure he's like, he's like, oh, can we, you know, let's, let's interview you. Oh, here, you want a beer? And I'm like, sure. Like <laughs> it was fun. I, I enjoyed yeah. that. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you get into the, uh, you, you make it, you get your break, right? You, you don't, you don't have to, what was the relief like when you realized you can quit JP Morgan, that you're kind of like, quote unquote, free. What did that feel like? So good. It was so good. I will always remember that day of like, because, you know, for the entire, so, cause I started working at JP Morgan Chase in January of 2011. And then I left in March of 2012. Um, and so for nearly that entire year of 2011, I was, um, creating those videos on YouTube where I would go home, you know, like three times a week and just produce a bunch of videos, um, put them up on YouTube and stuff. I was working so hard and then, you know, starting to, like, at first I do remember the first time I would get a few offers to be like, Hey, we'll pay you 50 bucks to do that exact same video, except just put our branding on yeah. it or whatever, you know? And that was a really cool fucking feeling. Cause it was yeah. like, wow. Like it was, it was so good. Cause I remember I was so miserable about that job. I desperately wanted to get into gaming and like that lit, it was just, it was little trickles, you know, little popcorn kernel. Yeah. Yes. Breadcrumbs. Exactly. It was little breadcrumbs, but there were such sweet breadcrumbs. Yep. And then finally one of these breadcrumbs turned into the offer, the full-time job offer at MMO attack. So, um, I remember calling my parents and going, and I didn't want to tell them over the phone. They knew, they kind of knew that the reason I was doing all these videos was because I wanted to get into gaming, but they didn't really know, like, they didn't really have any concept of like how close I was, if I was going to make it. I didn't even know if I was ever going to make it, you know? Um, So I remember calling them and being like, hey, can I have, can I come home for dinner like tonight because I have big news that I want to share with you? My mom goes, okay. And I'm like, don't worry, I'm not pregnant. Like, (laughs) but you're going to want to hear this in person. So I told them, I was like, I received a job offer. I have officially accepted it and I am going to California. And I did this thing, which I've done a couple other times in my life, which was like the beginnings of me kind of breaking out and and doing what I wanted instead of doing what my parents would pressure me to do. And I, I knew my parents had this like effect on me where if I brought up something that I was thinking about doing, they would talk me out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so so you could I, just do it and they'd be like, it's too late. There's, I can, there's no, yes. no, no take backs. Exactly. I did that when I transferred to Ohio state, you know, I wasn't, I was, I probably, you know, I try probably transferred colleges for the wrong reasons, but you know, I did it and I filled out all the paperwork. I literally got everything, every single thing ready, lined up. All my parents had to do was send a check to Ohio state instead of Miami. And then that's when I called them and told them I was transferring. Same thing with this job at MMO attack. I made sure every single little thing was in order. I think I might've even already told my boss at JP Morgan that I was quitting before I told my parents because I didn't want anything yeah. for, I didn't want them to, to try to talk me out of it. I didn't want to take the chance of me going, Oh my God, they were right. I should, you know? And uh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you at all for doing that based on what you've said so far. Yeah. Now, one of the things I will say is at least at least in some of your earlier earlier jobs, um, and I, I would say a lot of the, you you have multiple stories of the esports industry, and I, what I would say is, I think a true view of the esports industry. I don't think it's as, I think people look at it with rose-colored glasses. 
I yes. think they look at it, and I think that there's a lot of awful. I'm gonna be real. I think there's a lot of terrible, awful human beings who are in the esports industry. I think it's fucking insane how many of these people are in there, and people don't know, and they uh, they do some really terrible things to people. And you've had experience with this. Yes, I certainly have. You know, I'm not going to name names, but you know the. Um, I don't remember what you called it, but like when the game industry had her own little me too movement, um, I have had experiences with a number of the folks on a number of those lists out there. You know, I've publicly blogged, I think about like some of them. I don't even remember which ones I've named. I mean, I haven't named any of them. I don't remember which experiences specifically I've like posted about and put out there, but um, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's kind of crazy how many, and you have to be careful because in, in in some ways there are a lot of, you know, he said, she said things yeah. going on and there's always two sides to every story. But at the same time, when you look at a literal list of names and then you look at many people coming forward and all pointing to the same names and going, yeah, that person did this to me and that person did this to me. It, 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 it becomes less of, less speculation, less he said, she said, and more look at all these like accounts we have of you being a terrible person. And I think there's always going to be a lot of people crying, cancel culture. And in a lot of ways, I understand, you know, like, and I'm never, I'm never calling for, oh, let's cancel someone before we find out what really happened. But as I think you saw with that whole me too thing, you know, nobody got like, canceled after just speculation you know it was lots and lots of lot lots of people coming forward about a single specific person before that specific yeah. person started losing sponsors and you know appearances and things like that you know like i mean if i'm wrong name me an instance where i'm wrong name me an instance where somebody was canceled unjustifiably but Frankly, i didn't see any even if they were I think that sometimes you just have collateral damage. Like, yeah. I, like, uh, like as, as shitty as that might sound, sometimes there's like, no matter what, like when yeah. you have to get rid some people are just collateral damage. And, it and it's not, and that's not restricted to gaming. Look at Johnny oh, Depp no. and Amber Heard right now. Yeah. Like Johnny Depp just lost a bunch of shit because. Yeah, he just uh, got fired from. Uh, yeah, he got fired from Harry Potter, from yep. Fantastic Beasts or whatever, or what whatever he was in. I don't, I love Harry fan, Potter. Fantastic Beasts, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it's. So, no. um. He's still getting paid his full salary because he's under contract, but he's just not part of that film anymore. And it's because Amber Heard, I believe, was like accusing him of sexually abusing her. But then she actually was the one abusing him. And like, who fucking knows, you know? So it's not like it's necessarily unique to the game industry. But like, I mean, you're right. There is going to be always some instances of collateral damage. But I also think that I I guess this is the thing that kind of scares me. And I I would kind of want to get your opinion from it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, like, frankly, as a guy. Uh, first of all, there's less instances of guys having issues like this. Uh, th- there's some out there. I'm not saying they're they're not out there, but there's mm-hmm. just less instances that have at least been public. Um, yeah. And I can assume less instances kind of overall, um, mm-hmm. which is an assumption of mine. But there's a lot of times where people don't want to talk about it. So like, I mean, I know that I had Katie Bedford on here who worked with uh, Blizzard who mentioned that there was some issues that happened in Blizzard, but she didn't feel comfortable talking about it, obviously. Um, what do we do when when people can't come out and talk about it. Cause I mean, for esports, it's kind of a terrifying thing to come out because a lot of times these are your bosses. These are people who are in control. These are in power, but you can never get rid of them if people don't come out. So it's like this really weird situation where we can't like, I, I feel like helpless to be able to fix anything. Yes. Um, well, because 
And that's the same question I think a lot of people have, because I think what you're really getting at is, okay, well, what do we do if, you know, if I am in a situation where it's my boss maybe behaving yep. inappropriately, then who do I report it to, right? You know, I can report it to HR, but how do I know it's going to go anywhere? And like, I honestly don't think I have an answer for you because the thing is like, yeah, that happens a lot. And that's yeah. why like, you know, and again, I don't want to get into like any sort of speculation or like naming names yeah. or anything like that, but there have been instances at various companies now where maybe a number of women will come forward and go to HR for a company and say, hey, this person has been doing this thing to a lot of us and it's not okay. And they just get ignored, you know, and nothing ever happens. And then finally, years later, in some cases, finally, some action is taken. Like these people are maybe released from their position because of this. And then there's this tremendous backlash of, oh, well, they were just text messages or, oh, well, it was seven years ago. And the thing is, it's not always just text messages and it's not always just seven years ago. Maybe it's a lot more than that and a lot more recently. And you just haven't heard about it. Like Mm -hmm. the public is not entitled to all information. You know, if a major company is going to make a decision, like releasing someone from a employment position or a contract, they probably have good reason to do so. Yeah. I think it's fascinating how much at least the esports industry, maybe it's the gaming industry in general, thinks that they deserve, like they're privy or deserving yeah. of any information. It's like insane to me, like how much they're like, oh, we deserve to know all of these things. And I'm like, fuck you, you don't deserve right. shit. Right, that right. Works. And they're like demanding to see proof. They're like, where's yeah. the proof? He was canceled unjustly. Like, and yeah. I've seen, I even, even seen specific, I've seen <laughs> specific arguments in favor of some of these sexual predators that I've had situations where people have sent me really inappropriate things. And then years later, they have been released from positions that they held. And then people specifically said to me, well, where's the proof? I literally have the screenshots. I'm not going to fucking show them to you. I don't owe you dick. literally yeah yeah it's it's kind of so i guess that's the thing is like it it feels like like i don't think the industry is as good as it but i don't know what to do like it feels like you're kind of in a loose and i mean speaking from like personal experience having had these things like do you ever feel like you're just i mean why would you want to stay in something that is like this like yeah like why would you want to stay in something where you can't it doesn't there seemingly is no way to fix the problem um, because if you try to yeah. fix the problem, then you're also never going to be hired. So where do you like, it's like a dilemma of like, do I want a job doing this? Uh, because it's a tough, talk. yeah, well, it can be a tough, I, I don't know. My whole philosophy has always been kind of be true to yourself. Sorry to quote like 98 degrees or whatever, but like, don't, you know, again, going back to like, don't force anything or whatever. Yeah. Like also like I know who I am and what I'm about by now and I stand up for what I believe in and if somebody doesn't want to work with me because of it, I get it. But so far, like, I mean, I've still been steadily, I've been, I've been operating the way I do and I've been steadily working for a number of years now and I think a lot of people get to a point where they're like, well, I can either say something, you know, or I can kind of go along. You're going to, you're going to get much further in your career by not like dicking anyone over and trying to be fucking selfish, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much 
that I'm, I don't really like, that's the other thing is I don't really stick my nose where it doesn't belong. And in some ways, maybe that goes back to how I kind of do what I'm told. I keep my head down. I go with, you know, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was that very gotten, rambly. Do you think that's okay? I'm, I'm this, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't care. Um, <laughs> do you think that since you've been more, I guess, independent now that a lot of that maybe weight of having to go with uh, the norm is relieved? Like, I mean, because I think the difference when you're you're only freelance and you are reliant on companies is that you're, you're reliant on companies. But when you have independence, it's you have a lot more authority to be like, you know what? Fuck you. Yes, there's a lot. So, yeah, that's true. You do. One thing is like, OK, if you're under contract with a company, then you just kind of in a lot of ways, you kind of got to like do what they say, you know. But if you're like freelance and you're just, you know, under like shorter, like per event based contracts, then you have a lot more like power as far as being like, well, no, I don't want to do that. You know, like I've had some contracts where they'll ask me to do something and I'm like, well, this is fucking bullshit. But like this piece of paper says that I have to. So I'm going to and maybe I'll push back or like, um, you know, there were things that like when I worked for Curse. I have a number of cases. I have so many stories of things that happened during that like year, year and a half that I worked there that I'm like, this is bullshit and I don't want to do this, but you're my boss. So I fucking have to. And then, and it was, it was miserable, you know? And then now being freelance, it's like, I don't have to do any of that. You know, if, if a company comes to me and offers me a contract, I can say, no, I don't want to do that. And I can go to my agents and I can say, I'll do this except for this one part. And then they can get that part taken out, you know, or yeah. 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 So I guess looking at your career, you've done a lot of different things uh, moving up once you started working for course. I would say probably one of the more notable and correct me if I'm wrong is uh, working for uh, CDL. Yes. Like it's got to be yeah. one of those moments that when you get Te- that or technically it was CWL because oh, CW I did work the time. before it was franchise. My, I'm splitting hairs at this point. No, you're good. But yes, you're, you're good. CWL. <laughs> my apologies. I, I right. like to be accurate. CWL. Um, but that yes. must have been a big moment, right? Like, yes. like, like, cause I know when I got like a full, t- I was like, oh my God, I made it. This is like, yeah. this is really making, I have a, I have a full-time contract. It's a year. Um, that's like, what was that like? Oh, it was great. It was great. Especially because so at the time it was, uh, October, 2017, I had just moved back from New York. So I had moved to New York for a contract-based job. Um, I was working for the Mixer NYC studio. Um, and then it was that contract ended and basically, well, here's kind of a funny side story is toward the end of that contract, um, they had come to me and they had gone, well, you're hosting for Mixer, but you're streaming on your Twitch channel. And it looks a little funny when two days a week you're hosting shows, you know, and you're saying, hey, everyone go to mixer.com slash, you know, Microsoft NYC store or whatever it is. And then the other five days you're tweeting out, hey, go to twitch.tv slash Jess to watch my streams. So what we're going to need you to do is cancel your Twitch contract and start streaming on Mixer. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And then like, it was, it was a lot of, well, first of all, it was a whole lot, whole lot of back and forth because it's yeah. mixer. So of course, naturally it was bullshit. Yeah. So they first early, a little earlier on, they had told me you have to start streaming on mixer. And I was like, no, I can't because I have my Twitch contract. And the thing is that wasn't even in my contract to begin with. I wasn't even, it was a whole convoluted yeah. story. Long story short, um, at the end of the year, they were like, okay, we can either, we can renew you to work for us for another year. If you cancel your Twitch partnership and sign over a mixer partnership. And that was roughly October, 2017. And I was like, I really don't think that's a good idea. I'm not going to do that. 
And they were like, all right, well then, you know, we're not renewing you. And I go, okay, cool. I'll go back to Ohio. And then like three months later, that whole studio shut down. And then like less than a year later, Mixer entirely shut down, I think. Yeah. So like, or I don't remember exactly even when Mixer shut down, but a year, two years later. Yeah. So I'm like looking at this and I'm like, okay, I feel like I kind of bet on the right horse this time. Yeah. I I mean, so you get uh CWL. Oh yeah, that didn't even answer the question. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I... Yep, we're good. <laughs> Sorry, don't so worry, getting, I'm doing my job. You're good. I know, You're good. I know. So getting back to the question. So um, October 2017, I moved back to Ohio. And that was when I was like, shit, what do I do now? Just wait for my agents to call me with something. My agents called me and they had something for me. They were like, hey, CWL wants you. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's perfect. That's like, it was, okay. The reason it was so good for me was because up until that point, I just kind of bounced around from game to game. I didn't have yeah. like a home base. Like I dabbled in Dota, you know, but I wasn't really ever working like I, cause I liked a lot of Dota. So I was working uh, some gigs here and there, you know, a few little dream hacks, but I was never like steadily, like I was never, first of all, hired by valve, you yeah. know? Um, so I was never on the official broadcast talent team for a game before. And I had never had like that home base of a game, you know? So then call of duty comes along and I'm like, Oh, perfect. This game, obviously everybody plays, everybody plays Call of Duty. I've played Call of Duty, you know, and uh, it was it was a really cool feeling to, again, be a part of like to have Activision Blizzard actually be hiring me um, yeah. instead of just like, oh, we're this other news site doing coverage of this event or whatever. No, like, oh, they actually are. <laughs> Senpai noticed me kind yeah. of thing. So that was a really, really big moment in my career for for a lot of reasons. But yeah, just that, that was technically the CWL Call of Duty World League before it got franchised. So, yeah, that was yeah. for the um, World War Two and Black Ops Four Seasons. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. so I want to ask you before you got that, you were yeah. in Ohio. Um, you quit drinking 2018. Uh, yeah. So it went 2017. You were still there. Uh, yeah. Do does anyone is it noticeable to anyone else? Have they commented on it? Have they like Jess, are you doing okay? Have you had? Did people reach out to you? Um, what do you mean? Like. Like for the, the drinking, like, did your parents say, why are you drinking so much? What is going on? Or Oh, yeah. Well, that's so. OK, well, when I quit drinking, I was still so. Because um, 2017, I believe you say your date is October 22nd, 2018. That's right. That is so. my date. Yeah. So, um, yeah. OK, well, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit then. So uh, 2017 is when I moved back to Ohio. Yeah. And at the time I was engaged. And um, I got engaged. So here's the thing. I got engaged while I was living in New York um, because I moved to New York October 2016 after I had been dating my boyfriend at the, of the at the time uh, for one year. Um, so then we were long distance for my second year. So like he didn't really know how much I was drinking. You know, I was still like hiding it from everyone. And then yeah. when I was while I was in New York, I lived alone and um, like I only had to work two days a week. Yep. Like nobody really knew. Again, it was a lot of like drinking alone, playing video games. Like nobody really knew how much I was drinking, you know? So like when you were, when you were asking that, like, was anybody concerned? I thought you meant, was anybody concerned when I stopped drinking? Cause again, like nobody really knew that yeah. I was drinking so much or anything like that. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so, so I got engaged while I was living in New York, came back, moved in with my fiance. Cause you know, I'm moving back to Ohio. We're engaged. Just makes sense. And then that's when obviously it gets a lot harder to notice or a lot harder yeah. to hide. So he started noticing he was the one who was like, you need to go to AA, you need to stop drinking. And of course I was like rebelling, not wanting to listen. Um, so we ended up breaking up for reasons partially related to my drinking and partially not, you know, I think yeah. there's always 
multiple things going on. There was definitely a lot going on there. Um, and then it was like two months after we broke up that I ended up actually like going to AA and stopping drinking and stuff like that. Um, but I still remember, and I will always be so angry at him for this. He, because this is a big fucking no, no. He called my parents and he told them, cause we, we broke up, you know, and I don't really like to tell anyone shit. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a gossip. I think there've been several times here, several times throughout my entire life that I'm like, I just want to drag someone's fucking name through the mud, but I'm not going to. I just don't do that. I don't gossip. And like, so I'm not going to go around shit talking him to everyone who we both know. So I didn't. And he started like calling people. I don't know how many people he did, but he at least called my parents and told them that I was like drinking a lot. And the thing is like, he made, he said, he said he's doing it out of a place of like concern and stuff like that. So he got to frame it how he wanted it to. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Cause here's why it really grinds my gears because he had been going to, you know what Al-Anon is. Yes. Okay. So, cause many people, when I say Al-Anon, they think that I'm talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. No, no, no. Those are different things. Thank you. And okay. So I figured you would, if anyone, yeah. if for anyone who happens to be watching, who is confused, Al-Anon is a sister program to AA that is for Al-Anon is for people who are not alcoholics, not they might be not necessarily alcoholics themselves, but have a loved one who is an alcoholic. Yeah. So he goes, oh, my fiance is an alcoholic, so I'm going to go to Al-Anon. So one of the things that Al-Anon teaches you is like, you don't fucking out someone like that. And that's why I'm so angry at him because both AA and Al-Anon are really against that kind of thing. Like if somebody like, I honestly am. I'm so angry at him for that. But again, that's on my AA resentment list, you know, of course. Yeah. uh, It's just, I don't know. I will, I will always be angry about that. So he called my fucking parents and told them and my mom. And then it was a whole fucking thing I had to deal with. My mom calls me one night and she is sobbing. And then here's another thing, a chip on my shoulder. I have a little bit. She kind of made it all about her. You know, she was, she was hysterical when, when speaking to me. And I'm like, you think this is bad for you? You think that you're, Sitting there, you think this is so horrible for you to go through yeah. because you're worried about me? What the fuck do you think it's like for me? Yeah. And now I have to comfort you on top of all this. I really have to comfort you through your hysterical sobs and tell you that you're going to be okay. I don't fucking feel like doing that. Yeah. It felt really unfair. Sorry yeah, to get no, very I, personal about that. No, no. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I said I was going to ask you some harder questions. So yeah. I, I, I hope you did. Clearly, I was me ready. To. No, it's good. It's good. I think it's, I think it's real. I think that's yeah. what we don't see a lot of. Um, I yeah. think a lot of the industry is very much smoke and mirrors or and yeah. it's not like people are human beings and people have issues. And I think it's better to be open and honest about them than to hide them, yeah. generally speaking, in my opinion, which yeah. is why I do the show. So yeah. um, what was that? Conver- like, I imagine that you eventually got to a point where you actually sat down and you probably had a civil conversation with your parents about what was going on. What yes. was that like? It was tough. I finally, um, you know, had been doing AA for a bit. And the other thing is, you know, the day I stopped drinking, I didn't want to go around telling everyone, hey, I stopped drinking. You know, even a week later, even a month later, I didn't want to go around telling everyone, hey, I stopped drinking. Because it's hard to explain when, because people ask when you stop drinking, they're like, why aren't you drinking? And then you have to go through the entire explanation of how you're an alcoholic and how there's issues. And then they, there's a chance that they say, well, I didn't think you were an alcoholic. You didn't drink that much or whatever bullshit they always try to say. That is exactly right. And on top of all of that, there was also the fear of 
what if I fail? What if yeah. this AA thing doesn't work? What if I relapse? I wasn't ready to use the word relapse yet, but that's what it would have been. What if I start drinking again? What if I relapse? How stupid am I going to look? You know, so I didn't yeah. even tell anyone for a while. I told a select few who were close to me, but that's funny because I got that exact reaction time and time again. Yeah. I remember talking to, um, I have this really good friend named Mark and I've known him since college. And I remember talking to him on the phone one night before I had stopped drinking. Um, and you know, he, he's, he, uh, you know, had met my fiance obviously many times. So he was kind of like, you know, talking me through it. He's like, Oh, so, you know, like kind of what happened there? Like you guys seem so happy, et cetera. And I explained, I was like, Oh, what's that? He thinks I'm an alcoholic. And that's why we broke up. And Mark goes, Oh, that's crazy. He goes, you're not an alcoholic. I've drunk with you hundreds of times. And like, in retrospect, that strikes me as fucking hilarious. Mark, you have drunk with me hundreds of times and you don't think I'm an alcoholic? Like, thank you, I guess, for trying to, his heart was in the right place. He yeah. meant so, so well when he said that, but like, oh, sweetie, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's like a very- I think that's education on uh, addiction in general, I think is pretty poor. Like, yeah. unless, I think that's why. Uh, so I try not to hold it against people because they're just done yeah. it. Yeah. Like, like, like there's, what is it? It's either ignorance or uh, like there's a saying like they're either ignorant or they're they just not educated or something like that. I don't know. There's oh, something. I don't. Sorry, I don't think I know the saying. No, I know. I <laughs> but, I can't remember it offhand. But basically, those are the two options. Either someone mm-hmm. is just ignorant of everything that's going on, or they're just not educated on it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. most people, I think, are just uneducated. Um, yeah. Well, and a lot of people are accidental enablers, like Mark. You yeah. know, I would never, and I would, I'm, I of course. <laughs> like hold nothing against him. No. It's not his fault, you know, and we're not about to be like, oh, remember that one time you enabled me or whatever, but that's kind of what he was doing. You know, he was accidentally enabled me. And I think yeah. a lot of people do that because they don't, but I had a roommate at the time. Also, I had a roommate um, back in 2015, 2016, sweetest girl ever. Um, she was a huge enabler accidentally. She like legitimately, I think had my best interest at heart. Yeah. But her way of showing that was to, um, you know, reassure me, oh, you're not an alcoholic. He doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? And like, she lived with me. She saw me like drinking most nights, but. To be fair, most people about. prefer enablers than people that don't enable them. Speaking right, from experience, like, well, I, I don't have a ton of friends because I'm one of those friends that'll be like, you're full of shit right now. And you, you kind of yeah. need to be at least somewhat honest with you. Like, I'm okay with yes. you, you doing no, this, but you need to be honest. People don't like that though. I'm telling you right now, most people don't like that. Well, because people would prefer to stick their necks in the, stick their heads in the sand, yeah. like uh, an ostrich or whatever, you know, and pretend that there's no problem. Yeah. You know, of course, as an alcoholic, I'm sure I can't remember any instances, but I'm sure I probably cut people off. You know, I mean, like I said, my, my, you know, engagement ended partially because I was in denial and he was very correctly labeling me as an alcoholic. And I go, how dare he, how dare he question how much I've, you know, had to drink and how dare he say that I'm drunk when I am, you know, it's not his place. And like, um, but I, I think it's important to be able to, you know what that is though, like enablers and stuff, they call that, here's the thing. There's this concept called toxic positivity nowadays. And I think that's kind of what that is. What a lot of people like do is they're like, oh, well we're friends. That means I support you no matter what. And I think here's what I love about some of my friends. I have this amazing group of friends that we call each other on our shit. You know, yeah. they've called me on my shit. I've called them on their shit. They have a little less shit than I do to be fair. But like, so it's like, I, I get so much out of those friendships. Like they help me so much. They help me be a better person because like, I remember one time, one of my friends was talking about how she has like, I guess she has like a self-driving car. 
Um, I don't know if she drives a Tesla or what. Um, but she said something about like reading while driving sometimes. She's like, oh, it's only while the autopilot is taking over. Yeah. And we were all like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Do not ever do that. What the fuck are you doing? Are you fucking kidding me? Um, you know, and it's things like that. Or like sometimes I'll like have a really, you know, like, remember, well, why should this? Blah, 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 blah. And like my friends will call me on it. And they'll be like, well, I think that's a really negative way of looking at things. And I don't think you're doing yourself or them any, any favors by being like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Shit, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. So, um obviously you have this conversation um later on, but you didn't you yeah. didn't get sober till 2018. So you were working yeah. in CWL. Yeah, 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 for one year. So, cuz it was it was during the off season that I got sober. Um mm-hmm. the the World War II season wrapped up in probably would have been August of 2018. Yeah. Um and then um and then also, I, it was also, that was the day that my engagement officially ended. It was literally the day. So the champs that year took place here in Columbus, Ohio yep. um, at Nationwide Arena, which is like a five minute drive or like a 10 to 15 minute walk from my apartment. Um, and like my, you know, fiance and I had been having problems for a very, very long time. And it all kind of came to a head during that weekend. Um, we'd been fighting, you know, we were we were all but done, but hadn't said it. Yeah. And then I was kind of trying to hold my shit together to get through, you know, what was up up until that point, the biggest event, the biggest, you know, <laughs> the biggest event of my career. Um, cause it was championships for yeah. my biggest contract, my, my, this amazing thing that I've been doing. And I, you know, finished up the event, walked in the door here Sunday afternoon after the event walked up, uh, uh wrapped up, walked to my apartment you know, my fiance and I looked at each other and he was like, so should we call this? And I was like, yep, probably should. And that's that, you know, and then I went to my room to cry and drink. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, it was it was it was pretty miserable for a couple months after that. You know, um, well, here's one thing that fucker did is he took his sweet fucking time finding his own apartment. I don't remember why, but we had decided already. He had decided from the beginning that I would be the one to keep this apartment. Cause I think it was, he was like, he thought it was just too big. He didn't need that much space for just him. So he didn't mind moving. He was going to move out. I would keep the apartment, which I am grateful to him for, but he took his fucking sweet time. He took like two months to find. Oh God, that's such an awkward two months. And I'm like, you're a fucking programmer. It's not a money issue. Like I've, you're, yeah. It's not like you're getting denied on all these rental applications. It's Columbus, Ohio. It is not exactly a tough housing market. This isn't yeah. the Bay Area. This isn't New York City. All yeah. right. This isn't fucking Atlanta, Georgia. This is Columbus, Ohio. Like yeah. I, you can find a place. You're just being an asshole. And he was. So anyway, it was a terrible two months in which I was basically mainly like hanging out in my like office, sleeping on a futon in my office, drinking a lot, you know. Um, and then the other thing that was going on at the time was, so with my contract with CWL each year was basically at the beginning of the year. They, so like, um, like I said, it was like October, 2017, they initially came to me and was like, they were like, here's a contract for the entirety of the world war two season, meaning that you'll do all of the pro league, you'll do all of the open events. And then, um, you know, you're, you're on contract through, um, champs in August. Um, and then, um, after champs wrapped up though. It's not like I was automatically going to be renewed for the next season. You know, yeah. I was hoping I'd be brought back for Black Ops 4, but there's no guarantee. Yeah. Um, and I was left in limbo for a very long time. So it wasn't literally, it wasn't even until like October. 
Yeah. Yeah. So from August through October of 2018, I was like sleeping on a futon with my ex fiance in the other room. Um, had no idea if CWL was bringing me back or not. Couldn't really like do anything as far as making career moves in the meantime. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be working next year or not. So I don't know if I should be looking for other employment. Um, I don't have a way to create content because again, I am living in on a futon in my yeah. office and like, it was just a whole, it was a whole, whole bad situation. Um, yeah. Now, I have to ask, and I, I guess this is just your opinion, or maybe you have some more kind of solidified facts. Obviously, uh, CWL, C, CWL didn't renew your contract. Why yeah. do you think that they didn't rehire you? So part of that was because of the franchising thing. Like um, people got shifted around into different positions within the company. Yeah. People who, for instance, the person who initially hired me on for both CWL, uh, for both World War II and then renewed me for Black Ops 4, the person who made that hiring decision no longer worked for the company. I don't know if that person was fired or left of their own accord, but you know, the person who hired me was no longer at the company. Um, that person's boss uh, was like, oh, we might, you know, we're, we're not sure what the position is going to look like. We might bring you back for... Um, modern warfare, we're not sure. And then ultimately after franchising, they pretty much like, I don't know if you noticed, they were basically using a different interviewer, like at every event. Um, and the only thing I can think is like, I was no longer super convenient for them because with the world war two and the black ops four seasons, um, I was doing a lot of work out of their Columbus, Ohio studio. Yeah. And that's where I live. So all the other talent, they had to pay to fly them in. They had to pay to put them up in corporate housing. Me, they just had to pay my day rate. And, you know, it was very easy. Um, and by that, I mean cheap. Yeah. So then when it comes to uh, modern warfare, all of a sudden, I'm not really the cheap option because, well, we have an event in London and we have an event in Seattle. We have yeah. an event in wherever, you know. So then they do have to fly me around from place to place instead of me just driving the 10 minutes into the studio. So like... It's a number of things. I was never given an official reason, but like the thing is they then came back and have hired me for like multiple um, challengers events, which challengers is the, uh, the amateur call of duty yeah. scene officially supported by Activision Blizzard. So it's like Activision Blizzard was the ones hiring me, signing my paychecks for these open events. I've done numerous call of duty events for them since then. So, which to me was like a huge relief because as someone with like, uh, some degree of social anxiety. I always have that assumption almost that like everybody hates me and they're just pretending to like Dude. me. That's what, that's you do. You have that too. My no. brain tells me that all the time. Yeah. yeah. So with call of duty, it was a little bit like that, except on a career basis. It was, Oh my God, they didn't bring me back because they hated my work all along. And they were just pretending to like me for two years, you know, because yeah. that was a big question mark to my mind is like, why would they renew me for black ops four if they didn't want if they hated me, if they didn't want me at all. Um, and my agents, you know, of course, were telling me all along, like, don't worry. It's not that they don't like you. It's this and that, and the other thing. But again, I'm like, well, the fact is they didn't renew my contract. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece of the puzzle is that my agents told me is that with the position that I was doing, because, you know, I was never the desk host yeah. is the thing. It's, I think people get confused. People's brains, um, things think get a little convoluted. They think uh, yeah. that desk host when... I yeah. think you did stage hosting and sideline interviewing, right? Yep. So my official job title was like sideline correspondent. I'm pretty sure for both the World War II and the Black Ops four years. And 
the reason I had initially also, the other reason, the reason I was told I was initially brought on for um, World War II and Black Ops 4 was, well, before this, we basically had a different, you know, interview or a different sideline correspondent at every single CWL open event. And we want, you know, a lot more consistency tying the whole thing together. We want the audience to, you know, you have your desk host, you have your analysts, you have yeah. your casters, you don't have different casters every event. So why do we have a different interview every event? Yeah. Um, so then they brought me on. So they would have the same interviewer at every single event. And then that's why I think it's a little ironic and weird that then modern warfare, you know, they have Rich Campbell for one, they have Frankie Ward for another. Yep. And, um, I love both of those people. So it's not like I have any resentment to them to like, from like, Oh, they took my job or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I get it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess. The thing that I want to go into next, and this is kind of like, I would say one of probably the last chapters that I think is really important to talk about your life is you do not get rehired for CWL. Now, what's interesting about the fact that you didn't get uh, rehired for CWL in my eyes is that two months later, you decide that that's when you're going to, you're going to become clean. You're going to become sober. What's that transition between... Well, so just to clarify, when I got sober, it was um, it was while I was waiting. to. It was between World War Two and Black Ops four. OK, so it was I actually like finally in October did hear the news. Oh, they want you for Black Ops four. And then it was like two weeks later that I got sober. OK, so just what, to, yeah. yeah, no, it's good to clarify the timelines. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the decision behind that? Like, how do you go from years of doing yeah. this to all of a sudden being like, okay, I want to, I want to make this change, which is a pretty drastic change. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it was a lot of things. The main thing was, um, you know, that there's a cliche saying, which is, aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yeah. And it was like, I'd been, you know, really, like I said, that the, those, those couple months where I was, I was waiting to hear back on whether or not I was, my contract was renewed, whether or not I have a job the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, by myself sleeping on a futon, like it was, it was a hard time in my life. It was one of the lowest times in my life. I was very depressed. And toward the end in October, 2018, I began calling the national suicide prevention hotline a number of times um, just to have someone to talk to. Cause you know, also my, my ex had finally moved out at the beginning of October. So for a few weeks in there, it was just like miserable. You know, yeah. I just like was not doing anything. It was terrible. So I ended up calling, you know, the, the suicide line quite a lot. Yeah. And then finally one day, the morning of October 22nd, um, you know, I woke up and I was just like, why am I alive? This is bullshit. I just literally have nothing to live for. And that was, that was interestingly, like I said, that was after I had already found out that I had a job for the next year, but I was just so depressed that I didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So like, I was looking at the day ahead of me and I was like, there is nothing that will bring me joy now. Like, so sure. I have a job for next year. So I don't have anything I need to work on. I don't have to try at anything. You know, I am doing okay financially now that I know I have a job for next year. My rent is paid. Like I just felt like I had nothing to live for. So I called the, the, you know, suicide line again. And this time it was a man named Rick who answered. And the thing about, and you've probably observed this in other people, or you probably have a little bit of this sense, but um, a lot of alcoholics have told me that like, they can also tell when someone is an alcoholic without even like talking about drinking. Yeah. And that's what I think this dude did. He had this like Jedi mind trick, like, you know, he, he does the whole thing that they always know. My name is Rick. You know, why are you calling today? How are you feeling? Things like that. You know, do you have an active plan to kill yourself, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, you know, after we got through all that again, I didn't even mention drinking. I'm just like talking a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on in my life. And he said something like, have you ever considered checking out an AA meeting? 
And I was like, what? Like I hadn't even mentioned drinking. I hadn't even mentioned like, oh, my, my fiance, my ex thought that I was an alcoholic. You yeah. know, I was just talking about how I was depressed and stuff like that. And like, he somehow fucking knew. And I'm not a big religious person. I'm not necessarily a believer in like God in the traditional sense, but I was like, oh shit, that was, that was my higher power talking to me, you know, telling me, get yourself to a meeting, stop this foolishness, like yeah. get clean this over girl. <laughs> now I want to ask you, cause I don't think a lot of people know this, but alcohol is actually one of the most dangerous, uh, dangerous drugs to detox from uh, yes. alcohol can I tell and benzodiazepine story? are the only two that you can really die from if you don't oh, okay. actually get uh uh like uh something you can't just yes. cold turkey it you can die from withdrawals alcohol yes. i didn't know that about benzodiazepine whatever benzos i did yeah. not know that about benzos but i did know like okay like heroin and you know like meth yeah. like if you are withdrawing from those, you will go through hell, but you yes. can't actually die from heroin withdrawals. Yes. Alcohol is one of the only substances that you can die just from withdrawals. That yep. is why supposedly like EMTs and ambulances always have alcohol in hand because if somebody just tries to detox on their own, like it could go very poorly. Yeah. Now, I did not have that physical dependency okay. in terms of like um like I didn't have like withdrawals. Like I would have, um, you know, I would get the shakes. Sometimes I got a few of the DTs, um, yeah. you know, but I didn't really, I'm lucky, you know, that I'm, I'm young enough and in good health and everything that I did not have any of the other um, physical health effects that many alcoholics experience. Okay. So it hadn't progressed to that point where it, it had was, not. Okay. And it just, as far as like the, the volume and degree I was drinking and stuff, I think wasn't quite, you know, quite as much as yeah. other alcoholics that I've. Yeah. And it, that doesn't make like that doesn't make you any less of an alcoholic or anything Correct. like that. But I think it, I, that's what I was wondering is because I, I know that when I worked in the treatment center, there's only two yes. things that they, they, we couldn't take someone in and it was alcohol or benzos. They had to be medically detoxed. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And like, I never went to treatment. Um, yeah. You know, not that like, I know, I know, I know people who I think probably drank less than me and did go to treatment, you know, again, it's yeah. not, but it's, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm glad that you call it. Cause I know this is another, this is kind of a sign of someone who like, is in the no versus isn't the fact that you call it treatment instead of rehab because everybody else and not that like you know i don't i don't get too too hung up on it i can just tell if somebody uses treatment then i'm like yeah. ah they know yeah yeah so uh but it, it's it's interesting i mean to be yeah. fair like if you can follow a program like that's, that's all a treatment center is is about trying to establish some level of a program if you can follow a program and i don't normally preach like one over the other because i worked with native americans mostly so uh, oh, they don't really, fascinating. Uh, their AA is a little bit different because of the, sure. the way that they view their, because there's a huge cultural aspect. So, um, yeah. but it's about following a program and I don't normally preach one. Pro if you can follow a program, you're probably going to be good because you just need str yeah. like structures, just honestly, probably the most important thing. And mm -hmm. that's what a program provides is structure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. So you decide to do this. You decide to, uh, to, to do this. Uh, do you end up having a conversation with your parents and being like, yeah, this is this is what happened. What was that like? Um, That's like almost like. Yeah, I kind of did. I kind of. So there's this one, you know, so speaking of programs, I do follow the, you know, a, a traditional 12 step program. Yep. And one of the steps is um, is uh, well, there's a couple there's like making amends, um, yep. you know, and there's 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 a couple different steps basically that kind of get that are that are very similar. But in one of the steps, you um you make amends. And what that means is it doesn't mean that you say, sorry, it means that you show the people to whom you are making amends that you're living differently. Yeah. 
So I never had a conversation with my parents where I was like, I'm sorry that I'm such a drunk, you know? Um, but you know, I did have kind of a sit down talk with my mom of like, you know, okay. Like, you know what Ross told you, you know, like, I'm like, you know, you know, I know he wasn't really way off base. I've been going to AA tears. I don't even remember how, how long sober I was, but I told my mom, I showed her my little chip. I was like, I'm this much sober, you know, see, like I'm doing okay. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this, but just so you know, I'm doing okay. You know, cause I have a very, like, it's hard to talk about, you know, yeah. tough subjects, especially with your parents. And especially like, there's this whole thing of like, you know, my parents had such a hand in my life and my growing up that, you know, I didn't want them to think that it was their fault. Cause you know, it's a lot of things and like a, a big one is genetic. So at the end of the day, it's the ultimate, their fault, but I don't think that, you know, it's yeah. like, I think I just didn't want them to think that like they had done something wrong and I don't think that they did everything right in raising me, but it's also their, my alcoholism is not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to take some level of personal responsibility. Cause if you don't, then you, you would right. never change. Well, you have to take responsibility for the things that you do and the way yeah. you react to that alcoholism. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause exactly. Cause of course the whole thing is that it's not, it's also not my fault that yeah. I'm an alcoholic, you know, it's just, it, I just am. Yeah. Yeah. So you go through, um, you, you do that. You're kind of on the, I would say moving up and then, uh, you, you work through that, uh, year of, is it still CWL at that point? Yes. Okay. So CWL. The, that year of CWL. And I think yeah. I know what this is leading up to. And then are you good, going to get to then after that, then I'm not renewed. Yep. for for um modern warfare that was fucking tough oh that was hard was there was there moments where you thought you were gonna break oh yeah god yes god yes because that would be the point where i would be like i like i'd be like you know what fuck it yeah um oh as far as like relapsing no thank god um yeah that was the one thing that i'm i will be so grateful for is like um, yeah. So in, in August, 2018 was when the, um, final CWL year wrapped up yeah. before things got franchised. And I don't know what this is, but I had this feeling when I walked off the stage after my last interview at champs in LA, August, 2018, I knew you're not coming back next year. And I don't know how I knew that. I just knew. And I was really upset. Nobody had told me, I yeah. hadn't done anything wrong. Nobody fired me, you know, but I just, I had this sense I could tell. And I don't know why, but I knew things would be different. And I knew that's one way they would be different is that I was not coming back in the same capacity. Um, and I was really pretty upset. <clears throat> and then technically I was like, kind of kept on the line, kind of strung along, you know, cause I kept asking my agents like, you know, I, cause I'm not going to tell them, Hey, I know I'm not being brought back, but am I being brought back? Yeah. But you know, the way I phrased it was like, okay, you know, is, are they, are they planning to offer me a contract or should I plan to look for other employment kind of thing? Um, and it was, I mean, it was tough for August through August through March 20, August, 2018. No, excuse me. August, 2019. Yeah. Sorry. I had my years mixed up. August, 2019 through March of this year were pretty fucking tough because, um, <clears throat> Like, I really honestly never got a firm answer from Activision Blizzard of, no, you're not being renewed. Every time my agents would check in, it was, we're not ready to make that decision yet. Or, well, she's on our list that we're considering, but we don't know how we're structuring talent, you know? Yeah. There's always this, that, and the other thing. I feel like Activision does this a lot. I'm just throwing out there. I've yes. heard it from a lot of people from Activision. Correct. 
So then, you know, my, and, and, you know, all along my agents are like, yeah, you know, we just literally no response from them. We haven't heard anything. And, you know, so again, I kind of piece things together at some point, but like literally it wasn't until the first CDL event in January that I had full confirmation of like, well, you're not, you're not on stage interviewing right there. I think it's a pretty fucking good sign that they haven't brought you back. Yeah. But like I said, I kind of had this feeling all along. So I was really depressed. I was miserable. Yeah. Like I said, August through, and I had a few other like little gigs and stuff that I was working. So yeah. I was still working, but not for call of duty. And it was like very, and, and the other thing is because I was on the off season, like nobody else really knew that I wasn't being brought back. And I've had companies approach me since then and be like, Oh, we thought you were under contract with, with Activision. We thought you still had your, you know, call of duty thing. So that's why we weren't really hiring you. And I'm like, cool. You know? Um, but yeah, it was miserable. I was depressed. I was, I was, I wouldn't say suicidal, but I was having thoughts of suicide. I won't yeah. lie to you. I was having thoughts of like, I don't want to be here. I don't, what is the point? I had this dream job for two years and what's next? You know, it's where, like where you, do I go from if here? If that's the pinnacle, where do you go from there? Exactly. Which, which exactly. I think people view, <clears throat> I mean, franchise leagues as the pinnacle. That's pretty high up. Yeah. I saw it, like I said, I saw it as like the best thing in my career so far. It was the best two years of my career that I had. And I was like, literally this, this thing has ended. And that's the thing though, with like just anxiety in general, which I like also obviously suffer from anxiety. So all along throughout those whole two years, my butthole was so firmly clenched thinking at any time you could lose this at literally any time this could go away. Sure. You have a contract, but at literally any time, anyone from Activision Blizzard could just be like, we're replacing you. You're done. And that's it, you know, and I knew that all along. So I was really fucking scared the whole time. Um, And then, you know, again, it just really got cemented. And um, but I'm really, really grateful. All that's to say, I'm really grateful that I didn't relapse through that. Like I remember like last like October and like it was it was a hard holiday season also for me because I was like, I have nothing to, you know, uh, sure, I'm going to get together with my family. And what am I going to tell them? Well, I don't know what I'm doing next year for a job. You know, and when they're already freaking out, like, and I remember like my mom is horrible about this, you know, about she's the reason I have anxiety. I will put that one on her because of nature and it's nurture in that case. My mom taught me to freak the fuck out if anything doesn't go as planned. My mom taught me that if you are left without a safety net, oh, fuck shit, what do I do now? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was kind of panicking. I was kind of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, and then every time I would see my family, they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I would go, well, I don't fucking know, do I? And they would go, well, but what are you going to do about that? And I would go, I don't fucking know. See the previous statement. Yeah. So it was nuts. It was terrible. Um, you know, and then uh, weirdly, so then March, I got hired to go to PAX East to work for Oris, um, which is Gigabytes, like esports. Yeah. Um, division, I would say. And I've worked for them a couple of times before. So they hired me again to, to uh, be their like booth MC for their, for their booth at PAX East. And like, that was a weird spooky event. Cause that was the beginnings of COVID. Yeah. Cause it was like the very, very end of February to the very beginning of March. And like Plus the stuff show- started ramping mm-hmm. and the show floor was noticeably more empty um, than it had been in previous years. Cause I've been going to PAX for, you know, a very long time. And it was like, not, Wall to wall crowded like it usually is. A lot of people wearing masks. And uh I was like, man, I had this again, I had this sense. I was like, this is gonna be the last event for a very long time, the last physical event. And then it was. And then right after that, things started shutting down, things started going virtual. And then when things started going virtual, I started getting hired 
all the time. And like, it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was amazing, but like, for instance, like Activision Blizzard calls me up and they're like, Hey, we're doing all these challenger events. Can you be the desk host for them? And I'm like, sweet. You know? Um, yeah. 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 Um, so you do that, but one of the cool things I also know is you started picking up streaming and I think you started incorporating working out or fitness yes. more into that, which I did. Okay. Can I just say like, I don't mean this is a stereotype, but your last name is by far the most gym rat last name ever. I fucking I heard. Like, like I it's know. like so perfect. Like if I hear like bro hard, right. I just expect you to be in the gym, like, like snorting protein. You expect powder. me to look like this. Yeah. That's what you yeah, expect yeah, from yeah, a exactly. bro hard. Yeah. I, I expect you to be like snorting protein power and just like, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a very Raw fitting power. last name. Yeah, well, so it's really funny because I also think it kind of fits with like the video game industry yeah. pretty well as well. And I always joke, I'm always like, you know what? With this last name, I either was going to go into video games or porn and I'm pretty sure I chose the right industry. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people work in porn actually and uh, they're pretty happy too. So I mean, Good, I know. Good yeah, for I them. Mean, I'm not knocking it. Huh. I think that's valid and I think that like... Yeah. I, I think, think it's video a personal games choice. Is, it, it's a good, it's a good thing. It, it yeah. fits, but yeah. um, so you started incorporating this and what was, I mean, that's gotta be one of the most uh, like gratifying feelings to be the only person that you are responsible for when you're doing independent stuff is yourself. Like if, yeah. if you fail or succeed by yourself, it doesn't rely on other people. Uh, and I think it, at least for me, it gets rid of a lot of that anxiety of like, Oh my God, these people don't hate like these people. hate. I mean, you still have some of it. Like, Oh yeah. my God, I'm not going to have people who like me anymore who want to watch yeah. me, which yeah. is a different side, but it's, it's no longer on like, I would say the business side of, yes. which I think is different. Yes. It's so much different. Yeah. I love, okay. <clears throat> because here's the thing when like, it's a different, there's always going to be pressure obviously yeah. on like every job, but as far as like streaming versus like hosting, like that kind of pressure, it's so different because like, yeah, you completely hit the nail on the head. Like when you're streaming, it's like, it's just you, it's you and your audience and okay, they like you, they're going to follow, subscribe, give you money. Cool. You know, and it's like a whole bunch of them. You don't necessarily have to make them all super happy, but you have to make them all kind of happy Yeah. versus like if you're hired on for like an esports production, it's like, oh, this one company you have to make happy and like they can make or break you. They can decide whether you're going to make money this year or fucking not, you know, and it's like a big daunting thing versus like streaming is just like so much more like, oh, it's just on me. You know, if I don't get many viewers this stream or if I miss that headshot or if I say something that's not very funny or whatever, that's okay. Pack it up, try it again tomorrow versus like events. There's like this big like, oh, no, if I fuck up this interview, like so many more people are going to see the fuck up. And it's just like a, a very different kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be like very freeing now just overall, because you have this, I would say other stable source of income. Yeah. That, uh, works well. And I think that, I think that's one of the scariest things about esports is the lack of stability yeah. um, that you tend to have, but you've kind of made that up. That's got to make it a lot easier to probably do your job overall, doesn't it? It does when, so yes, I, cause I made a very, very like, so this cool thing happened also where in addition to the pandemic happening, I've also this year, as of this year, officially really been working in gaming esports in some capacity for 10 years now. Cause my first time ever working at an event was PAX East 2010 when mm -hmm. I was a frag doll cadet. So um, the cool thing that happens when you've been around an industry for 10 years is you have met enough people that like you've done enough networking that like there's always going to be someone who can hire you basically yeah. and so i've had people now who have hired me multiple times like over the years who it just started with like oh i've known them for a while and they needed a host and they know i'm reliable so they know they can call me and i'll host their thing and so 
I, that's like one reason why I've been able to work so steadily. And again, like not necessarily being under, like it obviously would be a beautiful thing if Activision Blizzard did want to come to me for maybe the cold war season and say, Hey, we're going to hire you on for the entire season. But like, if they don't, I will be okay. And I know that now because of all the like steady little one-off gigs I've been getting for the last six to eight months. And it's been going very well, you know? If there's something that I don't want to do, I can turn it down. Again, going back to like, if Activision Blizzard hands me a contract for next year and there's an event I don't want to go to, too bad. I kind of have to. But like yeah. the way I'm doing it, if someone off, like, which has happened a couple of times now, if someone offers me a gig and I'm like, not really my jam. I'm not going to do that. And I, yeah. I can say no. Yeah, that's got to that's gotta be awesome. It well, is, yeah. I've appreciated having you on here. I don't know if you noticed, we've almost been here two hours. Yeah, I, saw, I looked down and I saw, so. yeah. So, I'm a chatty person, so I'm no, not it's surprised. Good. You're not even close <laughs> to my longest interview. Okay? Nice. You have like another hour and 20 minutes if you were to try to beat that. Who? Um, Sir Scoots. That was uh, oh, yeah. like three hours. and th- It was very long. Um, I but I, I had a lot of fun having you on here. Believe it or so not, I only, I. Have, I only have one question left for you. Okay. Okay. And it's arguably the hardest question. Technically, it's the only question that I actually do ask every single guest. Okay. Um, so it might be the hardest question that I've asked you so far. Okay. Um, so having had the experience being on the show... Uh, yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you didn't, too bad. You uh, you've been here anyways. There's nothing you can do <laughs> it about happens. it. So uh, too bad. Um, if you could see anyone to be on the show, the only criteria is that they have to speak English because it's the uh-huh. only language that I speak, and yeah. they have to be involved in I would say media so that uh, yeah. esports, news journalism, um, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. They don't necessarily have to be on camera. Um, who would you like to see on the show? And if you pick someone who I've had, I will let you know. Yeah. Okay. A couple names come to mind. And then the thing is, I'm going to cheat and basically pull these right out of my, they were on my podcast playbook. Um, oh, that means you could help me get in contact with them too. I absolutely can. Cause I have some people who like were really fantastic. Um, oh, like if you guys don't food. watch uh, Jess's podcast, it's called Happy, is it Happy Hour? Happy hour, yeah. yeah. Spelled with an I instead yeah. of a Y on happy because we think yeah. we're cutesy like that. Happy yeah. hour. They're really good to listen to. She's had some amazing guests. I know that at least uh, the ones that I've listened to so far, I listened to the one with uh, Fizz. Um, and Fizz, I was actually, yeah. Uh, Wiz. It's F-W-I-Z, isn't it? Yeah, Fizz. Yep. Fizz. Yeah, God, that's so hard to say. I know, um, it is hard to say. That's really important because he does some really big stuff for uh, YouTube, yeah. I think. like He's he's like the, the top, top person of like yeah. YouTube gaming. So yeah. it's a really great interview. Uh, that was the one that I like noticed, and I was like, "Oh, damn! I, I want to yeah. listen to this now." Yeah, because I knew him from 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 way back when. Because yeah. like we're both from Ohio, um, and so I don't remember exactly even how he and I met. I think it was through. I think it was while I was a Frag Doll cadet, um, and then you know because that was just a really cool like networking yeah. opportunity really for me. So I think I kind of met him through mutual friends there, um, and you know we were both around the Ohio. MLG circuit kind of thing back in the day. So I knew him from way back when, um, but who else? Well, I guess he's not really, well, he's kind of media. I think, so do you know, he, Laser counts, he counts as media just FYI. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was going to talk about my next person that no, I was going to say ahead. though. Laser chickens. Um, do you know who that is? I do know that that's Marty. Okay. Uh, yeah. His last name is like, he doesn't I, really use his last name. He's yeah. kind of eponymous. Yeah. yeah I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So he used he, to work for league of legends. Okay. Um, well, would you count him as, as like as media? Like, would he be qualified for this oh, show? Yeah, I think so. So, anyone okay. who is, is involved in esports, I consider esports like entertainment. I guess entertainment would probably be the better word. So, okay. anyone who's in entertainment. Oh, sure. As a yeah. whole, there you go. Okay, then I would definitely say Marty Laser Chickens. Definitely someone you want to try to get on the show because, like, his like 
his episode was one of the longest episodes. And it was also, he was just like, he was one of the few that he approached me and was like, Hey, I love this podcast that you're doing. Can I be on it? And I was like, yes. Cause he like was like the co-founder of splice yep. and he has had a long and storied career in gaming. And he also was like, very open to talk about mental health and his own struggles and his own kind of journey that he went through. And like, he has so much interesting stuff to say. So mm -hmm. I would say he's, he's who I want to see on his laser. Okay. Chickens. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you spending the time to be on here. If you have any last shout outs you want to give, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise I'll close out my show. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else I want to say except for thank you so much for having me on. Like it's, I think this is a really great thing you're doing. And I think not, uh, it's, I'm glad more people are paying attention to like mental health and stuff like that. And I think it's not easy for everyone to talk about. And that's one reason why I feel like I'm so like outspoken and like shoving it down your throat and like letting everyone know like, Hey, let's talk about mental health is like, because that's the way to like normalize something yeah. and make it more like accepted to talk about. And I think so many people, there are so many people who are hurting out there who don't even realize that what they're going through is like a mental health thing and that they yeah. could actually benefit. Cause like, I think a lot of people who are like, I mean, you know, it's really pertinent in this day and age and the age of like internet trolls. If you look at like the psychology behind these internet trolls, like why they troll, honestly, they're deeply unhappy. They're depressed. They're angry because they're depressed and they don't know that they're depressed and it manifests as like anger. You know, they're unhappy with their own lives and they don't know how to change because they don't know that they need to change. So there's like a lot of conversations that I think sort of like still need to be had. And so like, thank you for having these conversations. Awesome. I appreciate you being on here. For everyone out there, this has been the Minds of Media. Uh, we do have more guests next week. We have Freya Spear, which I said her name wrong last time, but she'll be uh, next week. As well as we have one tentative for Friday, which I'm not announcing till it's actually uh, completely booked. So you're gonna have to wait on that one. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on here, Jess. For everyone out there, it's been the Minds of Media. Until next time, I hope you guys all have a wonderful day.